sacredhargo.com. Friday, the 8th of September. It is the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Son of Mary, hear our prayer. Son of Justice, the Virgin was born before you as dawn comes before day. Make us walk in your light. Vine of life, the Virgin is the root from which you sprang. Bless your people that we may remain faithful to you. Living bread, the Virgin gave you the flesh of our human race. Nourish in us the fullness of life through her prayer and example. O God, you gave life to the world through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Son of the Blessed Virgin, for whose birth we give thanks this day. Grant us, we beseech you, the grace to honor with our lives the Savior whom she bore, Christ our Lord. Amen. It is a better way to start a Friday, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we got a lot to get to. It is Mary's birthday because uh, I don't know if you you know do the math on this, but September 8th is nine months after December 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Mike Aquilina will talk about celebrating the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin. King Craycraft will look at the Pope's remarks on China. Father Hezekiah Carnazzo will preview the Sunday Mass readings. We'll also get more thoughts on what Dorothy Sayers had to say about education with Brendan Hodge from The Pillar. So quite the variety of topics on a Friday. It's two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Hurricane Lee is now a Category 5 storm. The National Hurricane Center says rip currents and hazardous surf will spread across the Northern Caribbean today and will begin affecting the mainland U.S. by Sunday. Lee, which has been swirling in the Atlantic Ocean, is packing maximum sustained winds of roughly 160 miles per hour currently. Lee is about 700 miles east of the northern Leeward Islands. It's expected to remain a powerful storm well into next week. Pope Francis met yesterday with members of the Italian Biblical Association and participants in Italy's National Bible Week, saying the church needs the help, needs to help the faithful grow closer to God through his word. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Dear friends, go forth, go ahead in your mission to help God's people be nourished by the word of God so that the Bible may be increasingly the heritage of all. The Pope told those before him that their theme this year is close to his heart and a major concern of the church and thanked them for analyzing covenants which closely involve the church's relations with the contemporary world. 
Pope Francis pointed out that their meeting evoked another value which he wished to emphasize, that of working together in the service of the word. The Pope commended this being at the heart of a wide-ranging work of cooperation that the Bible Association offers on a permanent basis to the church in Italy. The Biblical Association, the Holy Father acknowledged, also works in collaboration with the Pontifical Biblical Institute at a decisive moment, the Pope said, for the reform of pontifical universities where the alliance between academic institutions is not always easy. However, he continued for many of the association's members, the Pontifical Biblical Institute remains the alma mater that generated them to research and apostolate. This, the Pope said, offers an example of the synergy that urgently needs to be fostered in Rome and elsewhere between the various study institutions, not least to avoid running the risk of, of irreparable extinction. The Holy Father concluded by offering his support and imparting his apostolic blessing upon those present and asking them to pray for him. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Escaped killer Donello Cavalcante remains on the run, eluding Pennsylvania police as well as federal authorities. He broke out of the Chester County prison about 25 miles west of Philadelphia last week. His escape came shortly after he was given a life sentence for murdering his ex-girlfriend. The U.S. bishops this week have sent a letter to the Department of Health and Human Services criticizing proposed federal rules aimed at addressing alleged discrimination against LGBT individuals in programs receiving HHS grants. The bishops said in the letter that the rules proposed earlier this summer could create conflicts with Catholic organizations who seek to follow church teaching. One of the U.S. Supreme Court justices has said he's hopeful action will be taken soon to address ethics issues. Brian Shook reports. Justice Brett Kavanaugh told an audience of judges and lawyers in Cleveland on Thursday the court is continuing to work on those issues. His comments come after recent reports of justices' travel with political donors. Kavanaugh added, we respect the institution and want that respect for the institution to be shared by the American people. In a speech in May, Chief Justice Roberts assured he is committed to ensuring the court adheres to the highest standards of conduct. I'm Brian Shook. General Motors is issuing its first counteroffer to the United Auto Workers in contract talks, and UAW President Sean Fain calls it, quote, insulting. GM appears to be open to ending the tiered wage system, but is proposing a 10% raise for hourly workers instead of the 46% the UAW wants. The contract with the three Detroit automakers expires at 11.59 p.m. on September 14th, and Fain has threatened to strike all of them at once if needed. The Cincinnati Bengals are making their star quarterback the highest-paid player in NFL history. ESPN reports Joe Burrow has agreed to a five-year, $275 million contract extension to stay in the Queen City. More than $219 million is guaranteed. Los Angeles Chargers gunslinger Justin Herbert held the previous record for highest paid player in the league with a five-year $262.5 million contract. And the lawyer, the lawyers, 
<laughs> the Lions spoiled the Chiefs' banner celebration at Arrowhead Stadium to kick off the NFL regular season last night. Jared Goff threw for 253 yards and a touchdown as Detroit took down the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs 21-20. to 20. Okay, so first of all, I was a little shocked. Actually, I wasn't that shocked. I, I mean, I feel like I even said it on the air that I felt good about the Lions here. Yeah. Um, but out of all the things that one could talk about in that game, I caught just a couple minutes in the car yesterday mm-hmm. on my way back home from something. Mm-hmm. And I heard when uh, veteran wide receiver Marvin Jones fumbled the ball deep in Chiefs territory and the Lions gave the ball back to the Chiefs, the stat that came out of that was wild. What was that? So Marvin Jones, who uh, was a Cincinnati Bengal, among others, mm-hmm. before becoming a Detroit Lion, he uh, it was the first fumble of his career. What? In his 12-year career, it was his first fumble. It came on his 563rd touch. He had the longest active no-fumble streak in the NFL. Marvin Jones, I'll grant you this one. Wow. That is that's that's unreal. Put that man in the onside kick recovery team. Seriously, I'm sure he already is. He probably is. You're right. <laughs> anyway, wow. you talk about an impressive stat. For real, that's an man. impressive stat. That's Congratulations incredible. to our listeners on Ave Maria Radio this morning. By the way, yeah, absolutely. Well, today is Friday, September the eighth. It is the feast of the Nativity of the Mother of God. More on that with Mike Aquilina a little bit later this hour. Right now. It's nine past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Brendan Hodge. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog, author of If You Can Get It from Ignatius Press and a contributing editor to The Pillar. Brendan, good morning. Good morning. Great to be on with you. It is great to have you back. And you've written over at Darwin Catholic on an essay by Dorothy L. Sayers on classical education. Now, Dorothy Sayers, probably best known for her Lord Peter Whimsey Mysteries. She translated The Divine Comedy by Dante, but wrote about a lot of things, including classical education. So first of all, give us a basic definition. What is classical education? So uh, Dorothy Sayers gave a talk in 1947 called The Lost Tools of Learning, and she describes classical education as being rooted in the way that Western culture has done education as it was formed in the ancient and medieval eras. Um, and then she roots that in the, um, the trivium and the quadrivium. So these were the areas of study that people studied in the ancient and medieval world. So can you talk about why she decided to, to talk about this, to write about this? What, why did she think that classical education was important? So she opens up with a set of concerns which in some ways sound very modern. She says that uh, as she looks around the world in 1947, that people in some ways are more educated than ever. They have access to more information than ever. And yet what have they done with that? But they've become more subject to propaganda, to rumor, and to being led astray by people who have a large media bullhorn. So she talked about the power of radio and of newspapers about the way that people have been able to stir people up and lead them into modern ideologies, and that a lot of people seem to have the ability to read and consume information, but no ability to really discern what is true and how we can measure the truth of something. Hmm. 
ever ancient, ever new, I suppose, Brendan. I mean, we have new forms of of communication, of course, which make this uh, all the more urgent of an issue. So let's go back to what you were saying. You said there was a, how do you pronounce them? Quad vivium and trivivium, is that right? What are these uh, she things? She talks about the trivium and the quadrivium, which is simply sort of the three subjects and the four subjects. Oh, okay. And, so what are uh, they? This was, so this was the breakdown of the medieval curriculum. The trivium were the three basic subjects, which kind of prepared you to learn everything else. And these were uh, grammar, uh, dialectic, and rhetoric. And dialectic, you could think of as being uh, basically logic, uh, or logic with a little bit of sort of how to make an argument or debate combined in there. And then quadrivium were the more advanced subjects that people studied once they mastered those basic three. And those were arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. Interesting. So, is there any um, is there there any sort of underlying uh, basis for why those would be the most important subjects for children to to really master? Well, what Sarah does is she take she focuses really on that trivium, those basic three subjects, because the way that she talks about it is that these are the subjects that people studied prior to going to university. And then when you went to university, you specialized in these deeper subjects. And what she says is that sort of the, the basic foundation, obviously, for learning is uh, learning to read and write and then learning uh, the, sort of to cipher, as she puts it, so just the basics of uh, arithmetic. But that uh, when we think about grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric, we should think of these as three modes of learning. So grammar is kind of the building blocks of a subject, the way that uh, the, the basic pieces that you would use to put something together. So she talks about in history, the building blocks for a child might be famous people, um, eras, dates, kind of the key things will help them put things together. Uh, dialectic or rhetoric is the way that those things fit together. So it's starting to put together the logic of how these building blocks go together into a structure and how we can understand the way that they interact and what they mean together. And then rhetoric is when you take those those building blocks and the way they fit together and you use them to say something persuasive and logical to someone else, to make an argument about what the past means or what science means or what mathematics means. When you take these pieces and you express yourself by putting them together in a logical way. And to kind of illustrate why these are are important to master rather than, you know, like the information in, information out, teaching to the test kind of method that a lot of us experienced uh, going through um, our our early schooling years. You offer an example in here about learning to code. Can you explain? Yeah, so my background is that I was a classics major, so I studied Greek and Latin in college, but I, I now work uh, in programming and computers and data science. And so I, I talked about how uh, this breakdown really applies to how you learn almost anything. So the grammar, say, of learning to code is learning the basic functions and subroutines, the key terms that you need to use in a coding language. The, the um, dialectic or uh, logic phase is understanding how those functions operate together so that the structure of how you can put together 
a, uh, a, a function or a subroutine out of those pieces. And then uh, the uh, re rhetoric stage is being able to actually take those basic building blocks and the way that they fit together and then look at some creative project that you need to achieve and you need to get done and put them together in a new and unique way, which is yours, in order to achieve that goal. And if you think about it in that basic way, that's really how we learn and attack almost anything in life. Yeah, absolutely. DarwinCatholic.blogspot.com is where you can go to get it. Brendan Hodge, thank you so much. Thank you. You bet. All right. It is coming up on 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. To ask, why should I pray, is the same as asking, why should I raise my mind and heart to God, since that's what prayer is. But when stated like that, it's pretty obvious. We need to pray because God is He to whom our minds and hearts are ultimately directed. Union with Him is our ultimate destiny. Without prayer, we lose our direction to God as our ultimate end, and thus set ourselves on a path that leads back into the slavery of sin. 18 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Hurricane Lee is now a Category 5 storm about 700 miles east of the northern Leeward Islands currently. The U.S. bishops are calling for humanitarian aid for Armenian Christians who are trapped by Azerbaijan in disputed territory. And a new discovery at the Pontifical Biblical Institute is shining light on the church's protection of Jews during the Nazi occupation of Rome. We're going to be talking more about a family that protected Jews. They're getting beatified in, uh, they're all, all getting beatified. together on Sunday. So, uh, and actually in our local hour, we'll have a conversation that hopefully we'll share early next week about a new book uh, on their story. Uh, but today is Mary's birthday. We're going to talk more about that um, this hour with Mike Aquilina, next hour with Chris McGregor. But buried on the calendar, way on down, several lines below the Blessed Virgin Mary, if you go looking, is Thomas of Villanova, St. Mm -hmm. Thomas of Villanova. And uh, pretty fascinating guy for a number of reasons. Uh, he's a Franciscan. 
Uh, he was a person who uh, actually joined the Augustinians and, you know, gave all his money away to the poor. He was very good in uh, – I mean, he kind of embarrassed some of his friends by how much of his stuff he gave away. But uh, he had this quote that I ran across this morning that sort of – you ever run across a saint quote that sort of takes your breath away? You're like, yeah. whoa. Uh, well, so this is this is a great one to head into the weekend – and, you know, who knows what kind of needs you may encounter over the course of the weekend, what needs you may have already encountered this week. But here's what Thomas of Villanova says. He says, if you wish God to anticipate your wants, provide those of the needy without waiting for them to ask you, mm. especially anticipate the needs of those who are ashamed to beg. To make them ask for alms is to make them buy it. Whoa. <laughs> so... Uh, that's the challenge. At least uh, I feel challenged to look around and see who needs something but would not be willing to ask for it. Maybe ashamed to ask for help. Well, and you know what? That's really interesting in light of I, I think about this now ever since um, coming across so many church father quotes during Lent about prayer, fasting and almsgiving. And how many look at almsgiving and can substitute the word mercy, which I think is really interesting in light of the readings that we're going to be discussing for Mass this weekend. Um, yeah. So you can think about it in terms of material support, but also in terms of forgiveness. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Jay Joyce will discuss his new book describing the Catholic Chapel at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Father Jonathan Meyer will show the relationship between Mary and the Eucharist. I'll talk about Mary on her birthday, the frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers Drs. David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined out by Mike Aquilina from fathersofthechurch.com. Mike, good morning. Morning, Matt. So 
Anybody who pays attention knows that it's kind of interesting that the Annunciation happens on March 25th. Count forward nine months, you got Christmas on December 25th. Same thing works with the Immaculate Conception on December 8th and Mary's birthday. It does. It does. And, you know, these these are feasts that have been celebrated here and there since ancient times, you know. So so there's something to the dates. You know, it's 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 not church dogma that these are the dates when the events took place. But, but you know, when you see how ancient the observances are, it's pretty impressive. And the... Um, and the accounts of um, of extraordinary events surrounding Mary's birth and the end of her days uh, are 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 also of a of a very early early time. You know, they're attested from the the first second century of the church, um, and uh, and and so so it's a curious thing um, when we get into. The real history of Christianity, we see that the Blessed Virgin had a singular place from the founding, from the beginning, from the earliest days. You know, for a long time, historians refused to see the evidence of that, and it's only, I'd say, in the last... 30 years, maybe 40 years, that secular historians and non, other non-Catholic historians are beginning to see the evidence, put it together, and recognize and, 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 and even give a certain respect to um, the Marian devotion of the earliest Christians. None of the Gospel accounts record the Nativity of Mary. There right. are some things that record the Nativity of Mary, but they didn't make it into the canon of Scripture. So where do we learn about any of the circumstances involving, involving the birth of Mary? Well, one of the earliest bestsellers in the Church is a book called uh, The Birth of Mary. Uh, we know it today as the Proto-Evangelium of James, uh, but that's a, that's a title that's, that's given to it in the modern times. By modern, I mean the last 500 years. Uh, but, uh, but in the earliest times, it was known simply as, as the birth of Mary. And, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's, um, it's actually a book that, that covers the entire life of Mary from, from the time of her conception forward. And it tells, tells us the story of her parents, Joachim and Anne. And, uh, and, and again, the extraordinary circumstances of her conception and birth. So, so, I mean, that's coming to us from 150, and it seems to incorporate many traditions that were already established in the Church, because we find these hit-and-run references to Marian devotion in some of the earlier fathers, like Ignatius of Antioch, who's writing in 107 AD. We also find other, other references to, to Marian traditions in, uh, in documents like the Ascension of Isaiah, which comes from 70 AD. So these are going back a ways, and they seem to find a more final expression in this in this in this book that came out, um, the uh, the birth of Mary from from about 150 A.D. So again, we're talking about a point that's very early on the Christian timeline. You know, I find it interesting that the Church accepts the canonicity of the Gospels, but not the Proto-Evangelium of James, while popular tabloid historians like Dan Brown and others accept the canonicity for the Proto-Evangelium of James, but not the Gospels. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you know, I, 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 I don't think that the, the Proto-Evangelium is valuable as a strict historical account, the way the Gospels are. It, you know, there, there, there is the, the ring of the credulous about it, and some of the, some of the details in it um, are, are really just in poor taste. They don't seem to have the same, the same feeling, the same sense as, um, as the canonical Gospels. But what they do is they preserve for us uh, uh, an account 
of the devotion to the Blessed Virgin at that very early time in Christian history. So there, it's a window onto that world. I believe also that they preserve certain traditions that would otherwise be lost. And I'm not talking even about Christian traditions, but Jewish traditions as well, because so many of the small details um, uh, th- that are in there about the Blessed Virgin's childhood were later confirmed by archaeology, by what we found in the uh, in the Dead Sea Scrolls. These accounts of of, um, of traditions and customs that were there in the Blessed Virgin's family, you know, many people just dismissed them as kind of Christian interpolations. Uh, into into uh, an account of of Jewish life in that time, but they were vindicated when when uh, when we found when we found other documents that seem to attest to the same things. Um, for example, uh, this idea that the Blessed Virgin was was part of a group of girls who lived in the temple and and um, and and fashioned the the curtains for the temple, made the cloth for the curtains of the temple. These were sacred objects, and they had to be pro- produced by people who were ritually pure. So young girls qualified, and they did this throughout their childhood. Well, that's been attested in other places now. We find corroboration for that in, in other Jewish documents. So some of these traditions may be much more ancient even than 150 A.D., well, you mentioned as reliable historical accounts, not so much. But there are certain details that get passed down, even in legends, that are reliable. So, for instance, when it comes to Davy Crockett, Mike, you can either look at the John Wayne version in the Alamo, you can look at Fess Parker's portrayal of Davy in the Disney version, or you can listen to the song The Ballad of Davy Crockett. All of those <laughs> are going to be built on stuff that is not Davy Crockett canon, let's just say. But at least we know that he was born on a mountaintop in Tennessee. That's right. That's right. There are those details that are reliable, and and there are other details that that really do um, cause us to look elsewhere and 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 look for corroboration. Well, maybe this could be true, and uh, and 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 sometimes, as I said before, uh, these these strange accounts are vindicated by later archaeology. Well, Mike, there are so many other things to be said about the birth of Our Lady and the way that the church is kind of understood, uh, the importance of marking it at all. Uh, but if our listeners want to connect with you and learn more about the early church through your various writings, what's a good what's a good place to go? Fathersofthechurch.com. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Sorry for getting Davy Crockett stuck in your head on a Friday. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The U.S. bishops are calling for humanitarian aid for hum- for Armenian Christians who are trapped by Azerbaijan in the disputed territory of Nagorno-Karabakh, also known as Artsakh. Azerbaijan has for nine months blocked the only corridor to that region, and the Christians there are facing dire shortages of food, medicine, and basic supplies to sustain life. Armenian Bishop Mikhail Moradian told the Sunrise Morning Show last week that the people are starving and pregnant women are suffering miscarriages. The first death from starvation happened recently. Bishop David Malloy, who chairs the U.S. Bishops Committee on International Justice and Peace, said in a statement, quote, with the continued impasse of this conflict and the mounting consequences of this blockade, let us all be of one mind and one accord in our prayers for those suffering from this conflict to see this impending humanitarian catastrophe averted, and to see this conflict ultimately resolved through peaceful means, end quote. 
Hurricane Lee is now a Category 5 storm. Mark Mayfield has more. The National Hurricane Center says rip currents and hazardous surf will spread across the northern Caribbean on Friday and begin affecting the U.S. mainland by Sunday. Lee, which has been swirling in the Atlantic Ocean, is packing maximum winds of roughly 160 miles per hour. Lee is about 700 miles east of the northern Leeward Islands. It is expected to remain powerful well into next week. I'm Mark Mayfield. A Fulton County special grand jury report related to former President Trump's Georgia election interference case is set to be released today. It's the result of an investigation into alleged efforts by Trump and others to overturn the state's 2020 election results. There are a total of 19 defendants in the case, including the former president. A judge plans to release the report at 10 a.m. Eastern. A federal appeals court is putting a hold on a judge's order requiring Texas Governor Greg Abbott to remove a floating barrier from the Rio Grande River. The barrier was installed to stop illegal migrant crossings. The order was issued by a three-judge panel just a day after U.S. District Judge David Ezra ordered for the barrier to be removed by September 15th. A new discovery at the Pontifical Biblical Institute is shining light on the church's protection of Jews during the Nazi occupation of Rome. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. The never-before-seen documents were unearthed in the archives of the Biblicum as part of extensive research conducted by a team of historians, marking a significant breakthrough in understanding efforts to protect Jews during World War II. The historic find consists of a list of 100 women's and 55 men's religious congregations which provided refuge, along with the precise numbers of people accommodated within these institutions. The newly rediscovered documents reveal the stories of more than 4,300 individuals, with 3,600 of them identified by name. The discovery shows that 3,200 of the individuals can be conclusively identified as Jews, including details about their hiding places and their lives before the persecutions. This newfound treasure trove of information significantly enriches the understanding of the role played by Catholic institutions in safeguarding Jewish lives during a time of immense peril. Out of respect for privacy concerns, access to the complete documentation is currently restricted. However, it was unveiled at a workshop held at the Shoah Museum in Rome, offering a glimpse into the untold stories hidden within its pages. The documentation itself was meticulously compiled by Italian Jesuit Father Gozzolino Birolo between June 1944 and the spring of 1945, following the liberation of Rome by the Allied forces. During the period of Nazi occupation of Rome from September 1943 until the city's liberation in June 1944, the Jewish community endured horrific persecution. Tragically, nearly 2,000 people, including hundreds of children and adolescents, were deported and killed during this dark time. I'm Devin Watkins. Pope Francis met yesterday with members of the Italian Biblical Association and participants in Italy's National Bible Week, saying to them that the church needs to help the faithful grow closer to God through his word. The Holy Father said, quote, Dear friends, go forth, go ahead in your mission to help God's people be nourished by the word so that the Bible may be increasingly the heritage of all, end quote. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour.
Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible. So to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. During the hottest of weather, Schneller Knockelman will keep you cool with air conditioning repair, installation, and maintenance. Schneller Knockelman. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. All are precious in God's sight, no matter our age, race, ability, or residence. Yet many lives are threatened, especially in the womb. Cincinnati Right to Life works to protect the good gift of life at every age and every stage. For more information, go to CincinnatiRightToLife.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of the Nativity of the Mother of God, Friday, September the 8th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockeman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Looks like it's going to be pretty nice today. Maybe some rain. We'll see. Right now, temperatures in the lower 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly cloudy with a slight rain chance today and a high of 78 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 62. Mostly cloudy with another slight rain chance tomorrow and a high of 79. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly cloudy today. Slight chance of an isolated shower and a high of 74 degrees. An isolated evening shower tonight, then mostly cloudy with an overnight low of 60. Sun with a few passing clouds tomorrow and a high of 76. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And we are happy to have you along with us on this birthday of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, the Theotokos. Pray for us. Sunrise Morning Show legal and political analyst Ken Craycraft back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary, writes for the Catholic Telegraph and our Sunday visitor, among other publications. Ken, good morning. Good morning, Annie. Nice to be with you again. It is nice to have you back. And I'm thinking perhaps the most memorable quote from Pope Francis during his visit to Mongolia was when he was flanked by two bishops from Hong Kong and greeted Chinese Catholics. He said to them, be good Christians and good citizens. Ken, how did that get you thinking about St. Paul? Well, it got me thinking about St. Paul because we, we know very well that China has a dismal record on civil rights and especially civil rights as they relate to religion and not, not just to Catholics. Uh, the documentation of their persecution of Muslim groups and other ethnic religious groups is well documented and and we we have to take that seriously and so when the when the Pope says to be good citizens uh, the immediate uh, impulse is probably to scratch one's head and say well wait a minute China is awful on human rights and especially religious liberty 
But I thought of St. Paul because St. Paul said something extremely similar to the Romans uh, in uh, chapter 13 of his letter to the Romans. In fact, he said pretty much the same thing, be good citizens. He went further and said, be obedient to the authorities. Uh, and Rome's record on religious persecution was not unlike China's today. Hmm. So I was thinking as, as, uh, as the Pope spoke and thinking about St. Paul, what does it mean to be a good citizen in a bad regime, uh, number one? And then what is it that uh, the Pope is trying to tell uh, Chinese Christians? And, and it got me thinking, and I, I wrote about it, of course, for an article that's going to go up in our Sunday Visitor later today. But it, it gives us some fruit for thought about the relationship of citizenship to uh, governments, even bad governments. Well, you quote St. Augustine quite often when he said an unjust law is a bad law or no, no law, law at, at all. all. So how does yeah. a Chinese Catholic square that with with St. Paul? Yeah, that's a, and that is exactly the question to ask, because um, because China obviously has some very bad laws, especially as it has to do with religious faith and practice. I think what you have to do is think about government as a continuum that is good, good to bad governments as a continuum. There isn't any government that's perfect. There isn't any government that does every, every single thing wrong or does every single thing in such a way that it causes a person to have to commit injustice. There are mixtures uh, along that continuum. Some do very little right. Some do much more uh, right than, than wrong. What, what Paul suggested, and I think the way that we have to think about it in terms of the St. Augustine quote, is that while a, a bad law is no law at all, that doesn't mean that the good laws of the bad regime are not still due our obedience and service. Um, St. Paul, at the end of that passage in Romans 13, said something very uh, uh, very interesting that I think is often mislooked when we look at that passage That uh, that passage in Romans 13. He says at the end of, of the passage about obeying uh, government, he says, be subject not only because of the wrath, but also because of conscience. And then he says, Pay to all their dues, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. And I think two, there are two things that we can draw from that. First of all, that we are to be obedient because of conscience. That is, we're to be obedient because being obedient is being good, being a good civic citizen, when the law allows us to be obedient, of course. Being obedient to a law that is not a law, especially if that law causes us to have to do something that is contrary to the will of God, is not being a good citizen because we're being a false witness to the truth. And we all know that. But the second thing is when he says, pay to all their dues, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. What St. Paul is saying is that, that not, not every government is due respect or honor in every aspect of that government's actions. Where, the, where respect is due, pay respect. Where it's not due, then you have an obligation either to... Uh, 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 be be in opposition to that law, protest is the word I want, protest that law, or if necessary, even to uh, disobey that law. Uh, and of course, one has to exercise prudence in that because one does, is not necessarily required to disobey every bad law, especially if the bad law does not itself require us to do something that is in disobedience to God. So, so I think Saint, I think Pope Francis was trying to walk a very fine line here for the purposes of encouraging Chinese Christians, but also telling us, giving us a broader lesson 
about our relationship to governments and to laws. And I think we have to make that distinction because uh, law is not the same as government. And governments make uh, all kinds of laws, some good, some bad, some better, some worse. And the uh, acute uh, Christian is going to be uh, aware of how to try to discern between them and to do the just thing, to pay honor to whom honor is due and, 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 and not to whom it's not due. Well, and certainly we know that there's stuff that's going on behind the scenes when it comes to the Vatican and China. Honestly, we don't really know much of of what that is beyond what Pope Francis has revealed. You know, there's some sort of longstanding commission, as he said, um, to agree on the appointment of bishops. But the question is, what is Pope Francis getting at with this exhortation? Yeah, and I think there's. I think that he's being um, uh, sly as a fox in some ways. At least mm-hmm. I hope he is. That's that's the best. That's that's my optimistic view of this. Let me say, I, I don't want to minimize the atrocities of China's persecution of Christians and other people, and I don't want the the listeners to think that I'm in any way excusing or apologizing for China's uh, human rights uh, uh, violations. But I think that there are things going on that we don't see and that we don't know about that uh, the Pope Francis is trying to do to alleviate the pressure on Christians and to make life better for them. Uh, I quote in the piece, um, I I quote a woman who was there who was quoted in another news source uh, who came to Mongolia from China to attend the mass. And she said it pains her to hold up the Chinese flag because of Chinese, uh, Chinese persecution. But on the other hand, she holds it up because she wants the Pope to know we're here. And what the Pope is saying, I know you're there. I know that things are not good for you, but I'm working to make things better the best I can. And even this commission, I know that it gets a lot of criticism. Uh-oh. Ken, I think, Ken, I think we're losing you here. Try that again. Uh, you were You were just about to make a comment about this commission. Yeah, it, people criticize the commission because it seems to be allowing China to make decisions about who the bishops are. But you have to take th- things stepwise in some in some ways. And rather than to make things worse than China by completely abdicating, the, uh, the Pope Francis is trying to work with China to at least have a say in who the bishops are rather than completely giving it over to China. Is that the best scenario? Of course it's not. But it's better than completely abandoning China to uh, to Chinese Catholics, to the Chinese government, so that the church is not involved at all. So I think Pope Francis is sending a lot of signals. I think some of them, I think most of the signals are positive. And I think he's giving at least some hope hope and comfort to Chinese Catholics so that they know he's working for them. And in the meantime, uh, they need to take hope in the, obviously in the hope of resurrection, but also in the hope of taking pressure off of their own religious lives as he tries to work behind the scenes to make things better for them and to make their lives uh, more compatible with uh, religious freedom and, and practice. Well, and I feel like his choice to go to Mongolia itself um, so. is an indicator of that. This country that is sandwiched between China and Russia uh, two Which places. only has 1,500 Catholics. Right. This play, I, <laughs> yeah. I feel like he was trying to get as close to both of those uh, countries without actually moving into them, where he's clearly not yeah. welcome, at least not, not yet. So 
I think that's right, Annie. It's going to be very interesting to see what what happens in in future years. Of course, the church always thinking in centuries and not just in <laughs> the, uh, the 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 hot the hot take of the moment. So, um, yeah, appreciate your thoughts, Ken. And again, you can read his piece on this a little later today over at our Sunday Visitor. Ken, thank you. Thank you, Annie. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. All right, it's uh, thirteen till. Father Hezekiah Carnazzo joins us next. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for WINGS, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the WINGS link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your WINGS today. This is Dr. David Anders. Are your friends or family discouraging you from becoming Catholic? We can help on Call to Communion this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture here to preview the readings for Mass on Sunday. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. It's a blessing to be with you and your listeners today. It is a blessing to have you back. And uh, for the first reading this weekend, it's from the book of the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 33. And I'm just going to read the first couple of lines here. Thus says the Lord, you son of man, I have appointed watchmen for the house of Israel. When you hear me say anything, you shall warn them for me. Father, what is he supposed to be warning the people about? Well, during the life of Ezekiel, God's people are in exile in Babylon, especially here in chapter 33. The full exile has taken place. Jerusalem has been burned. The people of God are, are in Babylon. They're exiled. At this point in, in the Old Testament reading, in the prophecy of Ezekiel, God is beginning to pre- prepare his people for restoration. But in order to do that, the people have to get their, themselves right with the Lord. He's not going to just go in and act in their lives, 
force them to return to Jerusalem, force them to sacrifice. No, it's an invitation. So Ezekiel, the prophet, is being called by God to be a conduit of God's voice. And I think that's really the theme that we're getting here in the, in the readings that the Church gives us this Sunday. Really, we're kind of at the end of the post-Pentecost season now. And the Church has gone out to proclaim the Word. And I believe that, that the Church in her wisdom is encouraging us, just like the prophet Ezekiel, just like last week's Old Testament reading, by the way, Jeremiah, to have courage in the midst of a people that is, say, not exactly following the Lord. And then to have courage to be a conduit of God's voice to his people, that we should repent, get our hearts right, so that the Lord can act in a mighty way in our presence. And this, this, this reading is very powerful because it says to Ezekiel, look, if you don't speak out, if you don't call them to repentance like I'm telling you to, that I'm going to require their sin of you, if you will. Right? You're going to be punished for what they've done and what you failed to do because you allowed them to do it. That's the role of the overseer of God's people. He used to not just look out for his own well-being, because as Jeremiah last week got thrown into the stocks, he got himself, in, and Ezekiel's going to uh, get rejected by the people. But he has to have courage to go out and proclaim the truths of the Lord to a people that are a wayward people, a people that need to repent so that God might act in their midst. Well, the responsorial psalm is meant to be sort of a, an expression in in a way of, of what we hear proclaimed in the first reading. And the response with Psalm 95 this weekend is, if today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. So how does that fit in with what we're, yeah. we're hearing in Ezekiel? Well, as the, as the psalm continues, come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us acclaim the rock of our salvation. The church is saying, hey, look, God, you know what God has done in your life. You know what he requires of you now as a member of the body of Christ to be a, a missionary and an advocate um, to acclaim the rock of our salvation, as the psalm says. Have courage to do it. Don't close your ears to what the Lord's calling you to do. Don't refuse to be a, a participant in his salvific work. God is calling you into this ministry of salvation, to go to your brother and to help bring him back to the body of Christ. But that takes courage. We're going out into our workplace, maybe with our families. This is not easy stuff to go to my brother and tell him, hey, you got to get your right, yourself right with the Lord. That takes courage. And the church is encouraging us today in this evangelical period, in this post-Pentecost season, that even in the midst of persecution, we must realize this is our identity now, to proclaim the Lord as the rock of our salvation, the salvation of the entire world. Well, and in the gospel, Jesus even brings it to a, a higher level, to, to like God's level, I guess you could say here in, in Matthew chapter 18, because it's not like a one-and-done thing, is it, Father, to be like, well, hey, you're sinning, and then if they don't care or ignore you or persecute you or whatever, you don't just leave it at that one time. No, in the gospel, Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens, great. You've won over a brother. But if he refuses to listen, then two of you should go to him and so forth. The gospel continues. And again, in light of the, the Old Testament prophecy of Ezekiel, we have to have courage to do this. And, and this is very important. We are put in each other's lives 
not as judge, jury, and executioner, but as a physician in the image and likeness of the heavenly physician, is another sin, first of all, we shouldn't be surprised. Isn't this how we all up and back, Annie, with our spouse or with our co-workers? Oh, I can't believe you did that. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, you're filled. This guy's filled with pride. Oh, he's this. Are you surprised when your brother sins? Do you think he was immaculately conceived? No. He's imperfect. He's a sinner. And you've been put in his life that you might, first of all, recognize the other in their, in their weakness, and then consider how you might bring about their salvation. That's your role. That's your job. So don't be surprised when, when another in your life doesn't fulfill every expectation of what you think he should do. We're living in a fallen world, but Jesus has come to save us, and he's invited you and I, much like Ezekiel, to participate in that salvific work in the healing of our brother and sister. And I'm so glad you put it that way, Father, because I mean, as we look at the epistle for this weekend from Romans 13, brothers and sisters owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. The way that we correct someone is really important, isn't it, in, in terms of being able to discern what is best to bring about repentance? Yeah, love is, is always the giving of my life to the other. And in that moment, I give the other everything they need to become what God wants them to be. That's ultimately, as, as Pope Francis said, mercy is love in action. It's, it's the going out to the other in their weakness, in their imperfection, and loving them into perfection. And that's what we're called to as Christians. And, and we're, it's not always received, is it, Annie? It's oftentimes rejected. We're oftentimes thrown into the stocks like Jeremiah or thrown into the pit. You know, this happens. Yes, we're rejected oftentimes for our identity as Christians. We have to have courage to tell the other the truth in love in charity for the sake of their growth in the Lord. We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo And Father, if listeners want to connect with you, check out what's going on over at the Institute. How do they find you? Instituteofcatholicculture.org. We're about to launch our new curriculum year. Father Spitzer's coming to speak. Instituteofcatholicculture.org. Everything is offered free of charge. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Got another hour coming up next on EWTN. Subscribe. Yes, by clicking the red subscribe button at sacredheartradio.com, you'll get an email with our show notes with the list of guests you'll hear that day on the Sunrise Morning Show or Driving Home the Faves. You'll also get the links to books, articles, and websites we've discussed and the full podcast with markers to find and hear the interview again. So to know when your favorite guests are on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirmed. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love on Madison Road 
513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. On Saturday, September 9th, Americans throughout the United States will honor the memory of more than 60 million unborn victims of abortion during the National Day of Remembrance for Aborted Children. Please join in prayer at Gate of Heaven Cemetery in the Baby Garden, Saturday, September 9th at 9 a.m., 11,000 Montgomery Road, Cincinnati. More information at Gate of Heaven Cemetery, 513-489-0300. Please bring a folding chair and umbrella for your comfort. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus. Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for Mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. I'm Deacon Bill Mullaney from Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at SacredHeartRadio.com. On this Friday, it is the eighth day of the month of September, Mary's birthday. And uh, let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee, and happy birthday. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Glad that you're with us here on a Friday morning. Uh, I don't know about you, but whenever you get a short week, you're like, ah, oh, cool, we got Monday off. And then Tuesday through Friday, you're just like, ah, this week got crazy. Cramming five days of stuff into four days. But here we are. It's Friday. You made it. Well, you almost made it. You can make it. I believe in you. Father Robert Nixon's going to be along here in just a little bit. And he has been going through his book, The Crown of the Virgin. Uh, something he translated from St. Ildefonsus of Toledo. Chris McGregor will look at Mary's birthday through the eyes of Andrew of Crete. Uh, Bobby Schindler will be along from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network, and we will preview the Sunday Mass readings with Father Jonathan Duncan from the Diocese of Charleston. Hope you can stay with us 
on a Friday morning. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com, as well as Central Fabricators and CentralFabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. One month after a blindingly fast wildfire destroyed the historic town of Lahaina on the Hawaiian island of Maui, nearly 400 people are still missing. Teams of rescuers, cadaver dogs, and anthropologists trained to detect fragments of human remains have searched nearly all of Lahaina. The official death toll has stood at 115 for more than two weeks, and 385 people are listed as missing. Hurricane Lee is now a Category 5 storm. The National Hurricane Center says rip currents and hazardous surf will spread across the Northern Caribbean today and begin affecting the U.S. mainland by Sunday. Lee, which has been swirling in the Atlantic, is, pass- is packing maximum sustained winds of roughly 160 miles per hour. Lee is about 700 miles east of the northern Leeward Islands, expected to remain powerful well into next week. Pope Francis met yesterday with members of the Italian Biblical Association and participants in Italy's National Bible Week, saying to them that the church needs to help the faithful grow closer to God through his word. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Dear friends, go forth, go ahead in your mission to help God's people be nourished by the word of God so that the Bible may be increasingly the heritage of all. The Pope told those before him that their theme this year is close to his heart and a major concern of the church and thanked them for analyzing covenants which closely involve the church's relations with the contemporary world. Pope Francis pointed out that their meeting evoked another value which he wished to emphasize, that of working together in the service of the word. The Pope commended this being at the heart of a wide-ranging work of cooperation that the Bible Association offers on a permanent basis to the church in Italy. The Biblical Association, the Holy Father acknowledged, also works in collaboration with the Pontifical Biblical Institute at a decisive moment, the Pope said, for the reform of Pontifical universities where the alliance between academic institutions is not always easy. However, he continued for many of the association's members, the Pontifical Biblical Institute remains the alma mater that generated them to research and apostolate. This, the Pope said, offers an example of the synergy that urgently needs to be fostered in Rome and elsewhere between the various study institutions, not least to avoid running the risk of, of irreparable extinction. The Holy Father concluded by offering his support and imparting his apostolic blessing upon those present and asking them to pray for him. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The U.S. bishops this week have sent a letter to the Department of Health and Human Services criticizing federal rules aimed at addressing alleged discrimination against LGBT individuals in programs that receive HHS grants. The bishops said in their letter that the rules proposed earlier this summer could create conflicts with Catholic organizations like Catholic charities who seek to follow church teaching. General Motors is issuing its first counteroffer to the United Auto Workers in contract talks, which UAW President Sean Fain called, quote, insulting. GM appears to be open, open to ending the tiered wage system, but is proposing 
a 10% raise for hourly workers instead of the 46% the UAW wants. The contract with the three Detroit automakers expires at 11.59 p.m. on September 14th, and Fain has threatened to strike all of them at once if needed. One of the U.S. Supreme Court justices says he's hopeful action will be taken soon to address ethics issues. Brian Shook reports. Justice Brett Kavanaugh told an audience of judges and lawyers in Cleveland on Thursday the court is continuing to work on those issues. His comments come after recent reports of justices' travel with political donors. Kavanaugh added, we respect the institution and want that respect for the institution to be shared by the American people. In a speech in May, Chief Justice Roberts assured he is committed to ensuring the court adheres to the highest standards of conduct. I'm Brian Shook. The Lions spoiled the Chiefs' banner celebration at Arrowhead Stadium to kick off the NFL regular season last night. Jared Goff threw for 253 yards and one touchdown as Detroit took down the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs 21-20. to And the college football season rolls on this weekend. Third-ranked Alabama is set to play host to number 10 Texas. Tomorrow night in Tuscaloosa, the Crimson Tide kicked a game-winning field goal with 10 seconds left to defeat the Longhorns 20-19 to in Austin last season. In other top 25 head-to-head action, number 20 Ole Miss will go on the road to take on 22nd-ranked Tulane in the Big Easy. Elsewhere on the slate, Deion Sanders and his 25th-ranked Colorado Buffaloes, who upset and kicked TCU out of the 20, top 25 last week, We'll host the Nebraska Cornhuskers tomorrow. Well, let's see how it all goes. Things are getting real. No, they're not. It's week two. Well, but bear in mind, for all those top 25 teams, all you have to do is lose one game. And unless you were like a top 10, I mean, any of those people from 11 to 25 lose one game, and who knows? Well, I mean, that's true, but I think... I don't remember what Which, the Which, by the way, those of you listening were... in Kansas City who are waking up this morning very upset uh, that your Travis Kelsey-less Chiefs went down in a home opener, I'm pretty sure the Chiefs are going to figure it out. They will. don't have that much to worry about. Of course they will. Today is Friday, September the 8th. It is the Feast of the Nativity of the Mother of God. Pray for us. More on that in just a little bit. Right now, it's nine past. Happy to welcome back to the show Father Robert Nixon. He's a Benedictine monk at New Norcia in Australia, translator of the Tan Resurrection series. We've been going through one of those, Crown of the Virgin by St. Ildefonsus of Toledo. Father, welcome back. Thank you very much. Good morning to you, Annie. It's good to have you. And we are up to the 17th place in the crown imagined by St. Ildefonsus. And in it, he places the amethyst crystal. So could you describe an amethyst to us and, and give us some insight as to why St. Ildefonsus would choose yeah. this one for the crown? Absolutely. So uh, an amethyst is a, a variety of gemstone. It's actually a type of quartz, but... What characterizes it is um, that it has this wonderful kind of slightly purplish, although purple is probably not quite the right word for it, but a very unique um, color along that scale. And Ildefonsus focuses in on that color and he, he identifies that color as being 
a combination of the hues of the violet and of the rose. And he, he believes this perfectly fits the Blessed Virgin Mary because the violet represents the virtue of humility and the rose represents the fervour of her great love. And he, um, he believes that she combines these two, these two virtues, uh, the virtue of humility and of love, to the most excellent degree. And it was this unique combination which God chose her uh, out of all of the women who have existed throughout the history of the world to be the mother of his unique, only begotten son. And he speaks about this very beautifully. He says, The emesis combines in its enchanting hue the colours of both the violet and the rose. And for this wondrous mixture, it is fittingly placed in your noble diadem. For you, indeed, combine the fragrance and beauty of the delicate violet with that of the splendid rose. In the violet is your humility commended, while the rose bespeaks of your marvellous love. For out of humility you declared yourself to be the lowly handmaid of the Lord. And for the sake of fervid love, he gave to you the most sublime glory and honor. It is really beautiful. So I think that really expresses um, the, his, the, the choice that he's made here and what symbolizes by this unique combination of these two colors corresponding to the unique combination of humility and love in the Blessed Virgin Mary. And, and I think that that combination is, is so important, that, that what, is what made her truly great. Um, and I think we, we each should strive to imitate her in cultivating, consciously cultivating the virtue of humility, um, which is a virtue which is often overlooked today, as well as um, always being on fire with love for God, for Jesus and for his blessed mother. Yeah, for sure. Um, he, one thing that strikes me in all of these chapters that we've been going through in The Crown of the Virgin are these sort of like... I guess you could call them sort of like litanies of these titles that that he gives to her throughout uh, these chapters. And at the very beginning of of this particular chapter, um, he says, you yourself are the greatest teacher and example of virtue, the rule of the cloister, the word of peace, the sword of the spirit and the shield of holy victory. I want to ask you about one of those, the rule of yeah. the cloister. What does that mean? Yes, they, I'm, I'm glad you asked me about that, Eddie, because um, the cloister, of course, is referring to to the monastic enclosure, either of a monastery or a convent, which the cloister is the, the part which is which the monks and nuns normally remain within. And Mary is traditionally seen as a great model of the monastic life and of the contemplative life. And we know that her own um, life was one of great simplicity, that she was dedicated uh, to prayer, to simplicity of life, and that she was quite content to live, um, live a, a domestic life that you know, we can imagine that, that 99% of her life was lived within, within the house. Um, so that she was not a person, you know, going out there all the time and being involved in things in the world. But but her her focus was was her own household, the holy family, and in particular because she knew that uh, Jesus, that God, was right there with her. And this is something which which monks um, and nuns, of course, also try to to emulate in our own lives. That we don't need to travel to the ends of the world to find God, because God 
is right here with us wherever we are. And so I think uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, with her love of contemplation, her humility, um, her obedience to the will of God, uh, is such a wonderful example, not only for monks and nuns, but also, I think, for for Catholics in general, um, that these are virtues which transfer to whatever state of life a person is in. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to ask you about the the rest of this, too, because... He calls her the word of peace, but then he calls her the sword of the spirit and the shield of holy victory. I mean, you have this this yeah. image of peace, but then these two images of war. Yeah, and I, and I think it's wonderful that these um, are put together because we, you know, when we think about the Virgin Mary, we think often about only about her gentleness, her humility, which, of course, is, is, is perfect and wonderful. But then we should also remember that it was she who crushed the head of Satan. Um, It's she who puts to flight devils by her her strength and the magnificence of her virtue. So that she she also, despite her humility, um, was a tremendously strong character, that she was one of the very few who had the courage to stand by her son right to the very moment of his death on the cross. Um, And I think that, that, yeah, to imagine her as this, kind of sword of the spirit, I think is a, is a beautiful thing to think about because, you know, our living our Catholic faith, um, while it is all about love and uh, humility and obedience and, sub- and so forth, often it does actually involve a battle that we do need to arm ourselves to have courage and to know that Mary is always there, you know, right there with her love and compassion and also with her inconquerable strength. But she's the one who uh, who conquered the devil uh, definitively, as Genesis says, she crushed his head under her foot. But she's always on on our side and always fighting for us. Amen to that. Thank you so much, Father Robert Nixon. You can find The Crown of the Virgin by St. Ildefonsus of Toledo, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. 
Hey, Alexa, how many ways can I get EWTN? You can get EWTN on television, via cable and satellite, on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, and Google Play. You can get EWTN radio in your car on Sirius XM Channel 130 and on the go on any mobile device with the EWTN app. And here's the best news. Now you can get EWTN's great programming on me. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. U.S. bishops are calling for humanitarian aid for Armenian Christians who are currently trapped by Azerbaijan in a disputed territory. Hurricane Lee is now a Category 5 storm about 700 miles east of the northern Leeward Islands. And a new discovery at the Pontifical Biblical Institute is shining light on the church's protection of Jews during the Nazi occupation of Rome. All right, Anna Mitchell, I want to give a congratulations to the young men and women of my parish who received the Sacrament of Confirmation last night. Really? Uh, wow. Yeah. So In Bishop September. Campbell, Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of Washington, came out cool. to our parish and uh, gave a great homily on the Holy Spirit, quizzed some of the kids on their Confirmation Saints and why they picked them. Nice. Uh, what was your favorite? Uh, I don't know. There was a, there was an Elizabeth Ann Seton in the mix. Uh, there was, uh, let's see, um, there were a couple of others. Sorry. St. Cecilia, St. Sebastian was in there. Sebastian's a popular one with the boys. Uh, there was a Benedict. There nice. was, uh, I think there was three Cecilias. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, there was a lot. Thomas More, Thomas Aquinas, both in the mix. Good, good. Yeah, there was, a, there was some good saint names. Was Zeke serving the Mass? Is that why he you were there? He was serving the Mass. He'd nice. never served for a bishop before. It was kind Ooh, of exciting. What did he... A whole he, bunch of servers. What was his job? Um, candle holding. Nice. So... Uh, it's an important job. It is an important job. That's but awesome. congratulations to them. May the Holy Spirit, who was with you at your baptism, stir into flame the gifts, the sevenfold gifts and uh, and highlight what you would have to do to uh, to make those gifts most fruitful in the life of the church. This is not your graduation. And actually, you know, Bishop Campbell said that. He's like, this is not the closing of a chapter of your spiritual formation. <laughs> he said, this is not. Just the beginning not in many like, ways. Oh, well, you finished your Catholic education. You finished your religious ed. He's like, no, this is animating you and how you approach your religious education from here moving forward. I was like, yeah, all right, let's go. In this crazy world, where can Catholics go with their hard-earned money and not support businesses that go against our faith? Check out the Angels List on SacredHeartRadio.com. It's a list of businesses owned and operated by our Catholic brothers and sisters who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the Angels List, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com. 
Com. On Saturday, September 9th, Americans throughout the United States will honor the memory of more than 60 million unborn victims of abortion during the National Day of Remembrance for Aborted Children. Please join in prayer at Gate of Heaven Cemetery in the Baby Garden, Saturday, September 9th at 9 a.m., 11,000 Montgomery Road, Cincinnati. More information at Gate of Heaven Cemetery, 513-489-0300. Please bring a folding chair and umbrella for your comfort. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at FortMitchellGarage.com. Happy to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I am doing fine and always grateful to get to talk to you. And our selection this week from the Office of Readings is for the Feast of the Nativity or the Birth of the Blessed Virgin Mary, one of three birthdays that we officially celebrate on the church calendar. Do you know the other two? Uh, John the Baptist, mm-hmm. and um, let's see. Who's the mm, other one? A mm. very big birthday. And my <laughs> kids knew it before I did often. And they were like, it's coming. It's countdown. It's Christmas, coming. of course. It's Christmas, the birth of Christ. of course, the birth of Christ. And so, um, obviously, if this is on the church calendar and only one of three birthdays, it's very significant that we celebrate the birth of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And the reflection in the Office of Readings for the feast is by St. Andrew of Crete. Do you know anything about him? Can you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, he's also known as St. Andrew of Jerusalem. And he is one of those guys like St. Ephraim that brought the sheer joy of hymnody, the, the lifting our hearts, our prayers in song to the Lord. And of course, you know, these guys that have this this wonderful, just joyful lifting up, they they have these deep, wonderful reflections about the Blessed Virgin Mary and her nature. And should we be surprised that he would write about this important day, the birthday of the Blessed Virgin Mary? And it's a really beautiful reflection that he has here. But what so what does he teach us about why the church would celebrate the birth of Mary? Okay, all you Catholics out there who uh, sometimes sometimes encounters folks who will say, well, you, you worship the Blessed Virgin. No, we don't worship her. We honor her. We love her because she is a unique uh, creation of God in order to be able to... Uh, hold the great mystery within her, if we can say it that way, of Christ, the importance of why Christ himself, Jesus, is it's all about him. And and you know, Anna, that every Marian celebration that we have, usually it will always point either to Jesus, to Christ, or it will point to us. It will point to why we are um, beloved by God and our unique nature and what we're called to. And that's what St. Andrew of Creed is doing right here. Yeah, well, it's kind of a both and, I think, in in yeah. a lot of ways. I mean, 
when I read this for the first time, I had to sit back and think about, you know, sometimes we we forget that in order for the incarnation to happen, there were a bunch of other things that needed to fall into place first. And, and God had his hand in it all. I mean, this came out, he says, this radiant and manifest coming of God to men most certainly needed a joyful prelude to introduce the great gift of salvation to us. The present festival, the birth of the mother of God, is the prelude, while the final act is the foreordained union of the word with flesh. Today, the virgin is born, tended and formed and prepared for her role as mother of God, who is the universal king of ages. I mean, it's just this incredible thought. I mean, we know it, but do we really know it? God chose her for this. All creation sings because this is, as he said, this is the great uh, beginning. It's going to introduce what will inevitably not only lead to the incarnation and the birth of Christ into the world, but what can happen for us. Because he spends, you know, that that first part of this office of reading, he, what he does is he talks about why Christ is so important, that there was before him, of course, the letter of the law. And, and man tried in, in what they would describe almost this burdensome try, attempt to be able to to live out the law. But God knew that man would need so much more to be able to do them this, not as a burden, but as something that's joyful, that it comes out of freedom. And what's that element? What is that that's needed? Grace. Grace becomes this opportunity. God brings grace and his uh, divine presence and that allows us to be able to see it and experience the law in a new way. We begin to we understand what God's great uh, moment is happening, not only in the life of the Blessed Virgin, but also in us. Because as you said, it's the great prelude. You know, when you think about it, Anna, and I know you just did this with your little ones. When, you, when we take a baby to be baptized... That moment is a celebration because that soul now, because of grace, enters into that child and God Christ himself makes his dwelling place within that child, within what was you and me. And now we become in a very real way connected and the great prelude of all of this in creation was the blessed of the virgin. She was prepared in such a way that he could come into the world and all of creation just celebrates because now it begins. Now it's about to happen. And it is, um, it's just an extraordinary thing. And St. Andrew Crete sees that so clearly. That's such a beautiful point that by her birth, this begins the process of ushering in this point that Christ can now enter into us. As he says at the end of this, today this created world is raised to the dignity of a holy place for him who made all things. The creature is newly prepared to be a divine dwelling place for the creator. And as you just said, that's all of us, our souls mm-hmm. in baptism. So beautiful. We've been talking to Chris McGregor. You can find discerninghearts.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Chris, thank you so much. 
You're very welcome, Anna. All right, it's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The U.S. bishops are calling for humanitarian aid for Armenian Christians who are trapped by Azerbaijan in the disputed territory of Nagorno-Karabakh, also known as Artsakh. Azerbaijan has for nine months now blocked the only corridor to the region, and the Christians there are facing dire shortages of food, medicine, and basic supplies to sustain life. Armenian Bishop Mikhail Moradian told at the Sunrise Morning Show last week that the people are starving. Pregnant women are suffering miscarriages. The first death from starvation happened recently. Bishop David Malloy, who chairs the U.S. Bishops Committee on International Justice and Peace, said in a statement yesterday, quote, with the continued impasse of this conflict and the mounting consequences of this blockade, let us all be of one mind and one accord in our prayers for those suffering from this conflict to see this impending humanitarian catastrophe averted and to see this conflict ultimately resolved through peaceful means, end quote. Hurricane Lee is now a Category 5 storm. Mark Mayfield reports. The National Hurricane Center says rip currents and hazardous surf will spread across the northern Caribbean on Friday and begin affecting the U.S. mainland by Sunday. Lee, which has been swirling in the Atlantic Ocean, is packing maximum winds of roughly 160 miles per hour. Lee is about 700 miles east of the northern Leeward Islands. It is expected to remain powerful well into next week. I'm Mark Mayfield. One month after a wildfire destroyed the historic town of Lahaina on the Hawaiian island of Maui, nearly 400 people are still missing. Teams of rescuers, cadaver dogs, and anthropologists trained to detect fragments of human remains have searched nearly all of Lahaina. The official death toll has stood at 115 for more than two weeks, and 385 people are listed as missing still. A Fulton County special grand jury report related to former President Trump's Georgia election interference case is set to be released today. It's the result of an investigation into alleged efforts by the defendants to overturn the state's 2020 election results. There are a total of 19 defendants in the case, including the former president. A judge plans to release the report at 10 a.m. Eastern. A new discovery at the Pontifical Biblical Institute is shining light on the church's protection of Jews during the Nazi occupation of Rome. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. The never-before-seen documents were unearthed in the archives of the Biblicum as part of extensive research conducted by a team of historians, marking a significant breakthrough in understanding efforts to protect Jews during World War II. The historic find consists of a list of 100 women's and 55 men's religious congregations which provided refuge, along with the precise numbers of people accommodated within these institutions. The newly rediscovered documents reveal the stories of more than 4,300 individuals, with 3,600 of them identified by name. The discovery shows that 3,200 of the individuals can be conclusively identified as Jews, including details about their hiding places and their lives before the persecutions. This newfound treasure trove of information significantly enriches the understanding of the role played by Catholic institutions in safeguarding Jewish lives during a time of immense peril. Out of respect for privacy concerns, access to the complete documentation is currently restricted. However, it was unveiled at a workshop held at the Shoah Museum in Rome, offering a glimpse into the untold stories hidden within its pages. 
The documentation itself was meticulously compiled by Italian Jesuit Father Gozzolino Birolo between June 1944 and the spring of 1945, following the liberation of Rome by the Allied forces. During the period of Nazi occupation of Rome from September 1943 until the city's liberation in June 1944, the Jewish community endured horrific persecution. Tragically, nearly 2,000 people, including hundreds of children and adolescents, were deported and killed during this dark time. I'm Devin Watkins. Pope Francis met yesterday with members of the Italian Biblical Association and participants in Italy's National Bible Week, saying to them that the church needs to help the faithful grow closer to God through his word. The Holy Father said, quote, Dear friends, go forth. Go ahead in your mission to help God's people be nourished by the word so that the Bible may be increasingly the heritage of all, end quote. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. The podcast of the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith lets you replay and share an interview. They even have markers to help you find the interview quickly. Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast are in the daily show notes at sacredheartradio.com. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of the Nativity of the Mother of God, Friday, September the 8th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Looks like it's going to be pretty nice today. Maybe some rain. We'll see. Right now, temperatures in the lower 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly cloudy with a slight rain chance today and a high of 78 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 62. Mostly cloudy with another slight rain chance tomorrow and a high of 79. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, mostly cloudy today. Slight chance of an isolated shower and a high of 74 degrees. An isolated evening shower tonight, then mostly cloudy with an overnight low of 60. Sun with a few passing clouds tomorrow and a high of 76. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. You can find them online at lifeandhope.com. Bobby, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So uh, very often you have to tell us about uh, unsettling developments in the world of assisted suicide, and uh, you've certainly got one of those today. I wonder if you could share that with us. Yeah, it really is, Matt. I mean, every time you think it couldn't get worse, um, or, or more um, just McCabe, it's just then something pops up. And I actually think we, we might have touched on this years ago when they were first talking and developing this, but 
there's a, a man, a doc, he is a former doctor. His name, he goes by the moniker. In fact, he enjoys his name, uh, moniker, Dr. Death. It's Philip Nitschke. He's over in Australia. He's the head of Exit International. It's a nonprofit. And, and he goes around and, and pushes assisted suicide. And he got together with this uh, uh, gentleman from UK back in 2012 to develop basically what they call a suicide coffin. If you go online, and you put in um, a Google search on this, you can see what this thing looks like. And essentially, a person would, who wants to die would jump into this little coffin, a suicide coffin. It would ask them a few questions, um, and then if you answer those questions correctly, you would push a button and then die quickly. It, it really is horrifying, Matt. Um, they're doing everything they can to normalize uh, suicide. They're making it easy. Uh, they're glamorizing it, and um, and I think with the statistics that we're seeing, you know, Matt, last year in California alone that legalized assisted suicide, there was a 63% increase in assisted suicide in California in just one year. Almost 1,000 people took their lives by assisted suicide in Cal just in California last year. There's a strong push to legalize this in other states. They fully intend to market this coffin in the U.S. Uh, right now they're trying to get it uh, in Switzerland. Once this thing uh, starts to be sold in different countries, they're going to do their best to push it here in the U.S. And i got to tell you, Matt, there's nothing that I don't believe is going to stop them from, from purchasing these coffins and, and start marketing them here in the United States. Well, Bobby, we talk all the time on this segment about how these conversations start as why don't you let a person make their choice about how they want, you know, to to end their life if they're suffering. And then it goes into doctors, you know, having an obligation to put people out of their misery. But, you know, behind all this is this other thing that we talk about all the time, which is the insurance costs. As I'm reading uh, this article that you sent me about these death pods, right, um, the Daily Mail reports that each pod costs between four and $8,000. The use of the pods limited to members of Exit International, Membership in Exit International is $100, and if an insurance company is just looking at the balance sheet and says, well, we could pay for six months of treatment for you, or for $5,000, we could uh, cover everything with one pod and an Exit International membership. I mean, this is kind of like situations that come into play, right? I mean, if you're looking at cost-benefit analysis on the spreadsheet, it's clear what would be the financially easy thing to do for an insurance company, and that's terrifying. Oh, I mean, everything we see in our culture, Matt, is, being, is corrupted by, by money. And, of course, I think the insurance company is a big part in driving the assisted suicide lobby and agenda because, yes, it saves them a tremendous amount of money if someone wants to take their lives rather than treat them or use those resources to help them go through whatever it is they're going through. It might be a long-term situation. Yeah, this, this flies in the face of everything that, is, that we believe as Christians, everything we believe uh, as how we comfort people that are suffering. Uh, this is completely contrary to everything we, we, we learn about what it means to be, be Christian. You, Matt, Matt it's, it's interesting. Um, they, they talk about, it's funny, I read this, and uh, Philip Nitschke says he disputes the idea that this glamorizes suicide. But yet, if you go on to this, they have a website for the suicide problem. 
And if you go on one of the pages, you know what the first thing it says on one of these pages? It, it raises the question, what if we dare to imagine that our last day might also be one of our most exciting? That's what they're saying, promoting this suicide pod. Um, when you go onto this page, uh, trying to convince people that this is a dignified death. And I think Wesley raises a good point. He says, if we want to believe that these are dignified dignified deaths, what does that mean that people want to die naturally, that that's not a dignified death? And, 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 and you also look at the medical community, too, Matt. I mean, you talk about uh, I mean, doctors, and, and something I said in the, in, in the article itself, this, again, this, this is contrary to what doctors are, are supposed to do for patients and act as healers, not as killers. So, I mean, on, uh, every way you look at this, assisted suicide is just wicked, and we need to do everything we can to, to push back and, and, and let people know how dangerous it is to support this type of uh, movement. Well, Bobby, I've also watched too much science fiction, uh, and I've lived long enough to watch a lot of it sort of come true. <laughs> and so as I'm looking at this, this is insane, right? Uh, that the person climbs into the machine, they're going to they're gonna be asked three questions, and they answer verbally. So there needs to be like a verbal voice response to like a series of questions, and then the process starts. Well, seems to me, man, we've got the technology to get pretty good recordings of people's voices. People could possibly like use these as like murder machines and commit like this sort of perfect crime where everything was like said in a recorded manner. I mean, like, there's you're opening insane doors here. I mean, it is terrifying. I mean, of course, that's already sort of happening with uh, people saying things about you know people with brain injuries saying, "Oh, well, they told me that this was okay." Right? It was always it, it was that stuff was already happening. But this to me seems like it would open the door much wider for those kind of scenarios. I never thought of that, Matt. I mean, yeah, that's quite possible. I'm, I'm sure this could be used in, in, in different wicked ways. And, and I can also see this being applied to situations like Terry, because I talk all the time about the uh, inhumanity of starving and dehydrating someone to death, right? And then we're doing it every day. Well, they, they can just come along, okay, well, Bobby, you're complaining about starving people to death. Why don't we just put them in this pod where they can die quickly, peacefully, and painlessly? And it, 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 it's, it's just... Um, well, you know, hey, hey, I have a better idea. Why, why don't we do something that's really humane and just continue to treat these people instead of pushing towards death? So, but, yeah. but you're, but you're right, Matt. I mean, this could be used for all kind of evil ways, um, and and I'm sure it will be. I mean, this, that's just the death movement. I mean, it's it's being. It, it, there's obviously this, this is this is. Um, it, it, you can look at it as being satanic with with what's going on here. It's just it's really uh, incredibly frightening. Well, you touched on something that's a common theme of our conversations as well, which is that it's not your humanity is not derived from your physical abilities or your cognitive abilities. Your humanity comes from the fact that you're made in the image of God, right? And uh, that means that even Dr. Philip Nitschke is made in the image of God, <laughs> the guy who goes by the moniker Dr. Death. Uh, so I not only pray for a change in our culture, but a change in him as well on this question, uh, because imagine the impact that it could have if somebody like this realized the gravity of what they were doing and turned from it. So, Bobby Schindler, if our listeners want to connect with you and find out more about your work, how do they do so? Sure. Thank you, Matt. It's lifeandhope.com, lifeandhope.com. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks, Bobby. Have a great day. Thank you, Matt. God bless you. All right, on to uh, 
more uplifting conversations. We'll look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings with Father Jonathan Duncan coming up next. Here's from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. What's stopping you from becoming a Catholic? Why can't women become priests? I don't understand why I have to earn salvation. How is it possible that God created everything? Why do I need to confess my sins to why a priest? Why is Catholic Church so unwilling to recognize the Catholic Church is too rich? Catholics worship Mary and our community. As far as I'm concerned, all religions are equal. You are called to communion with Dr. David Anders. Today, 2 p.m. Eastern, on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. This is Dr. David Anders. Are your friends or family discouraging you from becoming Catholic? We can help on Call to Communion this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Jonathan Duncan from the Diocese of Charleston. He's involved in all kinds of stuff down there. It's down in relation to me. It's it's sort of southward, but uh, he is director of spiritual health at Bon Secours St. Francis Hospital. He's got school and college campus ministry. That's part of his beat as well. Father Duncan, good morning. Good to be with you, Matt. So there are all kinds of directions we can go, as usual, with the Sunday Mass readings. But I find it interesting, and again, I don't know if this is part of your journey. It wasn't necessarily part of mine. Uh, but it's the part of a lot of people I talk to who are coming from Protestant backgrounds towards Catholicism. They read this passage from Sunday's Gospel, and they don't know what to do with it. So it says here that uh, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault, your, his fault between you and him. If he listens, good. Uh, if he doesn't, then take one or two others. Uh, if he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. Now, why this becomes a crisis point for some of our Protestant brothers and sisters is let's say that uh, you're at the office and you got your friend Bob, who's also a Christian but goes somewhere else, and he's doing something that you know is a problem. You approach him. Maybe you get a couple other people from the work Bible study to approach him. It's no good. Now you take it to the church, but do you take it to your church that Bob doesn't go to? Do you take it to Bob's pastor? Who has the authority now to tell Bob What's going on and what he should be doing differently? I mean, this is a crisis point verse for a lot of people. 
Absolutely. And I think for so many folks, uh, and certainly this is how I grew up, you know, we focus in on kind of the, the comforting sounding bits, like uh, at the very end of the gospel, very familiar passage where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And everyone always takes that, that passage sort of out of context and says, oh, you know, the Lord's present with us, which, which is true, but the context of that passage is the Lord's presence as authoritative judge as the church issues an excommunication. Yeah. Like, this is the immediate con- It's not simply um, the Lord is present wherever two or three are gathered in a, in, a, in a vague sense, but this whole setting is about how the disciples of the Lord Jesus are given his authority, that he's present with the church when it has to for the sake of of the health of the whole body and for the sake of the souls of those who are erring has to exercise its authority as as judge and that's yeah. such a critical and that that runs counter to everything as as modern western individualistic people um it's hard for us to acknowledge that there could be someone else a community that would have authority over how i act and how I live and, and, and have authority to, to bring discipline to me. But that's, of course, exactly what we see in the early church, and that's what we see here grounded in the gospel. Well, I don't think we hear enough examples of how that does work, but I know some examples of how it has worked. <laughs> I've got a friend uh, who um, has also sort of shared his, his conversion story, and he was big into drug dealing in high school, and all kinds of stuff, but still showing up at youth group. And one day his youth minister said, listen, man, you can't be hanging around here here anymore given the stuff you're involved in. Somebody's going to come by in a drive-by aiming for you and hit somebody else. You can't be here. And it was a harsh thing to tell this guy. And he felt rejected. He didn't understand it. But later he did and had a massive conversion and realized you know, there was real damage I was doing, not just to myself, but to other people by my horrible behavior. And that got my attention. Um, you know, it doesn't always work out, right? Some people just feel rejected nope. and they never come back. But we still have this kind of obligation to, to point things out to people and say, hey, listen, out of love, we need to tell you that what you're not what you're doing is not good for you. and It's not good for other people. Absolutely. I mean, many people may not think of it this way, but the church is process for annulments, the whole tribunal process, this is one way that the Church exercises this discipline, is by rendering judgment on, uh, on, on the nullity or not of someone's union, and that's part of the way that—and sometimes the Church has to really call people to task and say, you know what, this union is still very much a valid union, and you need to stop living the way you're living and honor that. And sometimes the church has to do that. And, and people, I've known some people by the grace of God to receive that judgment back from the church, that disciplinary judgment back from the church, and live as brother and sister, regularly making confession, trying to, to live out uh, the faithful witness of Christ. And I know others who've gotten that and have left the communion of the church because they didn't want to receive that kind of discipline. Yeah, I think. Uh, but discipline, discipline is essential. It's the same root as the word disciple. It is essential to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Is being open to being disciplined by the church and to be shaped as a disciple. 
Yeah, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, kind of the Chesterton line comes to mind where we don't want a church who uh, thinks that the way we do, uh, you know, we do, that's right where we're right. We want a church that's right where we're wrong, right? <laughs> so that the church exactly. can shape us and mold us. But I think, I mean, to take it kind of to a, a, a bigger level, I don't have the powers by myself to excommunicate people, and neither do most of our listeners. Uh, nope. So, uh, but at the same time, there are all kinds of people who have sort of mentally excommunicated uh, various people. I think the best example of this is politicians who drive you nuts, uh, who sure. say one thing about Catholicism and then go and do the exact opposite or do something antag- antagonistic to Catholicism. And I think there's an important check in our spirit that needs to happen with our attitude in those situations because uh, there are a lot of us lay people who cry for those folks to be excommunicated. And the attitude that we have sometimes is why don't we just get them excommunicated so they can go on to hell where they belong? When in fact, uh, what we really are are wanting, if we understand, if we want what the church wants, is why don't we get their attention? Why didn't, isn't their attention gotten so they can repent and join us at the table in the right way? Absolutely, both our Old Testament and our epistle reading for this Sunday speak to all of this. All of this discipline is grounded in love for the other person. That's what we hear from St. Paul and Romans. It's grounded for their good. And as we hear in the Old Testament, it's grounded in saving their soul and saving their communion with Christ through the church. And all of the way the church exercises that discipline is to get people restored to communion with us and through our communion, communion with the living, risen Christ. Yeah, and uh, and again, I think it's also a great time to examine our conscience. I, you know, I heard somebody the other day. Uh, I can't remember if it was a deacon or priest or whoever. Uh, you know, making the joke about you know someone coming up and saying, "How come, how come you don't preach more about sin?" And the pastor, the deacon, saying back to him, "All right, what sin are you struggling with, so I can preach about it?" <laughs> of course, <laughs> somebody who's asking that is not saying. Tell me what's wrong with my life. They're usually saying, tell that other guy over there what he's doing is messed up. I think it, it, this also nope. calls us each to be open to, like, what is the thing in my life? What's the thing in and, my life I need to be called on? Part of, part of being in the church is being open to being corrected and educated. And this is the beautiful thing about being a part of a Catholic church is we're corrected and educated by believers all over the world, different races, different languages, and different centuries throughout time. And they correct and educate us constantly and help us to be disciplined. All part of the same body, the body of Christ. Father Jonathan Duncan, thank you. Have a wonderful day. That wraps it up for the Sunrise Morning Show here on a Friday. It's Mary's birthday. Celebrate accordingly. I'm Matt Swain. For all of us here at the Sunrise Morning Show, hope you have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you on a Monday morning. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith when Jay Joyce will discuss his new book describing the Catholic Chapel at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Father Jonathan Meyer will show the relationship between Mary and the Eucharist. I'll talk about Mary on her birthday, plus frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. 
We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, lighthouse work, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founder, St. Daniel Comboni, as an inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. This is Father Benedict Kensler, pastor of Our Lady of Victory in Delhi. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Friday, September 8th, by praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Son of Mary, hear our prayer. Son of Justice, the Virgin was born before you as dawn comes before day. Make us walk in your light. Vine of life, the Virgin is the root from which you sprang. Bless your people that we may remain faithful to you. Living bread, the Virgin gave you the flesh of our human race. Nourish in us the fullness of life through her prayer and example. O God, you gave life to the world through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Son of the Blessed Virgin, for whose birth we give thanks this day. Grant us, we beseech you, the grace to honor with our lives the Savior whom she bore, Christ our Lord. Amen. Mary, conceive without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee. Sometimes people ask where the prayers come from. I post a bunch of them in the show notes for the day, but uh, 
almost every day, I use something from the Magnificat app. I know some of you have the little magazine-ish type booklet things that you get paper in the mail, but I got the app. And the app, let me just say, is very, very handy. So, because I, I don't know about you, whenever I've had the print copy, I leave that thing laying in churches and chapels and everywhere. So it's nice to have the app. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman has sports. And up this hour, we're going to talk to Scott Richard, who's got a new book on the martyred family who is going to be beatified on Sunday, September 10th, the Olma family. And there is a there's some fascinating angles to this story. He didn't write it, actually. Anna Mitchell is messaging me. He's a publisher. The problem is, is that we couldn't get the authors on because I believe they're Polish. <laughs> and uh, they do not speak the English. So we'll talk to Scott from Our Sunday Visitor about the book. Also this hour, Marlon De La Torre on teaching and evangelization. Catherine Fishlock uh, will help us to learn the propers for the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And then Father Hezekiah Carnazzo will look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings. So... Stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Ohio residents have little over a month left to register to vote in this year's general election. The deadline to submit voter information to county officials is October 10th with early in-person voting starting the following day. The bishops of Ohio have urged the faithful and all people of goodwill to show up at the polls to vote no on issue one, a proposed amendment that would enshrine abortion in the Ohio Constitution. Election day is November 7th. Pope Francis met yesterday with members of the Italian Biblical Association and participants in Italy's National Bible Week, saying to them, that the church needs to help the faithful grow closer to God through his word. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Dear friends, go forth. Go ahead in your mission to help God's people be nourished by the word of God so that the Bible may be increasingly the heritage of all. The Pope told those before him that their theme this year is close to his heart and a major concern of the church and thanked them for analyzing covenants which closely involve the church's relations with the contemporary world. Pope Francis pointed out that their meeting evoked another value which he wished to emphasize, that of working together in the service of the word. The Pope commended this being at the heart of a wide-ranging work of cooperation that the Bible Association offers on a permanent basis to the church in Italy. The Biblical Association, the Holy Father acknowledged, also works in collaboration with the Pontifical Biblical Institute at a decisive moment, the Pope said, for the reform of Pontifical universities where the alliance between academic institutions is not always easy. However, he continued for many of the association's members, the Pontifical Biblical Institute remains the alma mater that generated them to research and apostolate. This, the Pope said, offers an example of the synergy that urgently needs to be fostered in Rome and elsewhere between the various study institutions, not least to avoid running the risk of of irreparable extinction. The Holy Father concluded by offering his support and imparting his apostolic blessing upon those present and asking them to pray for him. 
I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Hurricane Lee is now a Category 5 storm. The National Hurricane Center says rip currents and hazardous surf will spread across the Northern Caribbean today and begin affecting the mainland United States by Sunday. Lee is packing maximum sustained winds of roughly 160 miles per hour currently as it moves over the open waters of the Atlantic. One month after a blindingly fast wildfire destroyed the historic town of Lahaina on the Hawaiian island of Maui, nearly 400 people are still missing. Teams of rescuers, cadaver dogs, and anthropologists trained to detect fragments of human remains have searched nearly all of Lahaina. The official death toll has stood at 115 for more than two weeks, and 385 people are listed as missing. A Fulton County special grand jury report related to former President Trump's Georgia election interference case is set to be released today. It's the result of an investigation into alleged efforts by the defendants to overturn the state's 2020 election results. There are a total of 19 defendants in the case, including the former president. A judge plans to release the report at 10 a.m. Eastern. One of the U.S. Supreme Court justices says he is hopeful that action will be taken soon to address ethics issues. Brian Shook reports. Justice Brett Kavanaugh told an audience of judges and lawyers in Cleveland on Thursday the court is continuing to work on those issues. His comments come after recent reports of justices' travel with political donors. Kavanaugh added, we respect the institution and want that respect for the institution to be shared by the American people. In a speech in May, Chief Justice Roberts assured he is committed to ensuring the court adheres to the highest standards of conduct. I'm Brian Shook. 8.07 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Well, believe it or not, Anna Mitchell, not much went on yesterday on the field, but off the field. A lot. A lot. How about this? Look at you wearing all your Bengals gear today. I tell you what, and when we say a lot, we mean a lot. Joe Burrow has... uh, Officially become the highest paid player in NFL history. Well deserved. Joe Burrow, as ESPN reports, has agreed to a five-year, $275 million contract extension. That means he's staying here in Cincinnati. Over $219 million of it, all guaranteed. Uh, the uh, number one overall pick out of LSU back in 2020 is uh, 24-17-1 as a starter. And has thrown for over a thousand, eleven thousand yards to go with eighty-two touchdowns, thirty-one interceptions, and of course he will be on the field. We presume this Sunday as uh, the Bengals take on the Cleveland Browns on the road. If uh, you're a Reds fan, Reds back on the diamond tonight, squaring off against the Cardinals in the uh, first of three at Great American Ballpark. Red Legs uh, trying to get back into the uh, swing of things in the division. They're back. Five and a half games of the Brewers, but uh, still clinging to that third NL wildcard spot. Nice. Okay. A lot of fun. And, of course, the uh, Elder Panthers. Elder Panthers play uh, not tonight, but tomorrow. So, oh. uh Just a reminder. Good they, to know. They, yeah, they play uh, Lakewood St. Edwards. Ah, St. Ed's. So that'll be a Saturday 4 o'clock game. 4 o'clock. Yep. Okay. There you have it. That is it for sports. Let's check in on traffic now. Traffic 
a service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Good news, good news. Uh, sorry, starting off with an accident. Left lane blocked on eastbound 74 just before the 75 interchange. That has you backed up uh, toward North Bend, so probably going to need at least an extra 10 or 15 minutes right now. Southbound 75 is mostly slow through the Lachlan split. Uh, inner loop of 275 down toward the bottom. Heading westbound toward the airport, you're going to be slowing from uh, Dixie, eh, really turkey foot. Turkey Foot on over toward the airport, northbound 7175, off and on heavy and slow from Burlington Pike up to the cut in the hill. Northbound 471 is just a little slow as you're approaching the Big Mac Bridge. Now for weather, looks like it's going to be a pretty nice day. There is a chance for rain today, mostly cloudy skies in Cincinnati with a slight rain chance and a high of 78, mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 62. Mostly cloudy with a slight rain chance again tomorrow and a high of 79. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, mostly cloudy today. Chance of an isolated shower and a high of 74. Isolated shower tonight, then mostly cloudy with an overnight low of 60. Sun with a few passing clouds tomorrow and a high of 76 degrees. Today is Friday, September the 8th. It is the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Mother of God. Pray for us. 11 minutes past the hour now. Matt? Thanks, Anna Mitchell. Well, some of the newest and most exciting saints to be beatified in the church are the Alma family, and they have an exciting and absolutely fascinating story. It's now available in a new book from our Sunday visitor, Scott Richard, now joining us from our Sunday visitor. Scott, good morning. Good morning. So I wanted to ask you first, not about the pronunciation of the authors and contributors to this book, who, uh, again, this is in translation, so uh, I, uh, you know, we can, we can get into that in a moment. But I have a, a question about the pronunciation of the title. Is it Martyred and Blessed Together or Martyred and Blessed Together? Uh, it's, a, it's a little bo- of both, actually. Um, we're playing off of, the, uh, um, off of the two meanings of, uh, of blessed or blessed, uh, in this uh, in this title, right? Because they are all beatified together, right? Uh, Sunday, September tenth, their beatification date. Tell us about the Alma family and what led uh, to the heroic actions that actually—that's what led to their martyrdom. But what uh, what kind of heroic actions were they involved in that built up to this? Right. So um, the the most interesting thing I think about the Alma family, uh, as you as you dig into their story and learn about them, is that uh, that they are really uh, an ordinary family. They are a uh, a Catholic family in Poland in a little uh, little town called uh, Markova, and they uh, they lived their life as all of us. Should live as uh, as good Catholics, uh, attending uh, attending mass, raising their children in the faith, but living their faith uh, every day. Um, and in living their faith every day, that brought them into contact with other people in the community who needed their help. And in this case, that uh, that is um, eight uh, Jews who. Uh, were members of the community and who, under the uh, the Nazi regime uh, during the time of uh, occupied uh, 
um, Nazi occupation of Poland, that these uh, these uh, members of um, of the community needed their help in order to remain safe. And so the Oma family uh, brought them into their own house um, and sheltered them there. And it is because they sheltered these uh, these three uh, three families that they were martyred in March of 1944, along with the eight uh, Jews that they had sheltered. Well, I know that there's going to be plenty of time to unpack the story of the Olmas themselves, but uh, I guess in your book you also talk a little bit about the families they saved or attempted to save, right? Yes. Yes. So the, the book is, um, is not just a, uh, say, a, a biography of the, uh, of the Olma family, but it goes beyond uh, beyond that. Um, uh, there are chapters in here on the uh, on the families that uh, that were saved, but also um, on the the relationship between Poles and Jews historically in uh, in Poland. And uh, you know, I think it's interesting. The book is interesting again, not just for the story of the Olmas, but for setting the story straight. On, uh, on the very complicated uh, situation in Poland in World War II. And uh, in a lot of times, it gets reduced to um, uh, caricatures of, uh, of Poles and Germans and, uh, and Jews, but, uh, but this provides the historical context for people to understand exactly what was happening in, uh, in Poland at that time. Well, what's fascinating about this is, first of all, you're going to have all these, you know, aspects of iconography that have a whole family <laughs> together in one icon, right, or one set of statues, including some extremely young members of this Polish family who's being beatified. Tell us about that. Right. So it, one, one of the reasons we call this Martyred and Blessed Together is this is a a unique experience in the uh, in the Catholic Church that normally when you have multiple people who are martyred together each of their cases is examined separately um, before they are beatified or canonized um, in this case uh, the the Alma family started out as uh, a group uh, among a much larger group of Poles who had been martyred for um, for saving Jews in uh, in Poland, um, but over time their case got separated out, and they uh, they were examined by the the dicastery for the causes of the saints as a unit, as a family, um, and uh, and I think that this is uh, part of what makes their story so fascinating because again it shows that. An ordinary Catholic family doing what uh, what we should all be doing as we are raising our uh, our children and bringing them into the faith that this family is being saved together. Um, and when we get to the case of the youngest child who is still in Victoria Oma's womb at the moment of uh, uh, of Victoria's martyrdom and had just begun to be born. Um, I think that that really shows um, in, uh, in, in stark relief 
just how important the faith of the mother and father is to the ultimate salvation of their uh, their children. And in this case, the child who was born during the uh, during the martyrdom of uh, of the mother, the child is also uh, seen and and uh, pronounced by the uh, by the church here to be a martyr because of the baptism of blood. Uh, kind of a holy innocent principle. Um, I, as I understand it, the mother was actually seven months pregnant. So here we have uh, a prematurely born baby, uh, right, right. Uh, who, is, who is part of this process. It's, the whole thing is absolutely fascinating. And, you know, it also kind of taps into something that uh, we've heard. Um, well, we, we hear it a lot from Pope Francis. We heard it from Benedict. We heard it very much from Pope John Paul II. The idea that holiness is not merely for you know, priests and religious, that uh, there is this sort of crucible that most Catholics live in where holiness is supposed to happen. It's the, it's the family, right? The Vatican II is very emphatic about this as well. I mean, what does this family story say to that? Oh, I, uh, I agree. You know, this is, uh, again, uh, going back to uh, uh, the first thing that I mentioned, the thing that, that, uh, that really is remarkable about this family is the fact that on some level you could say they are, they are not remarkable. They are a family like any other Catholic family, but they live their Catholic beliefs so fully that when the moment came to, uh, to love their neighbor as themselves, they did it without any, uh, any fear for the family. And, um, and in the end, they sacrificed their lives uh, alongside the, uh, the Jews that they had, they had sheltered. And this, uh, this really ought to be a story that inspires all of us as we, you know, as, as mothers and fathers, as, uh, as, uh, as children, as we all think about how we live our Catholic faith communally and how our faith uh, brings all of us together to, uh, to Christ uh, on, the, uh, on the road to heaven. Well, thanks so much, Scott, Richard, and thank you for uh, all of you over at Our Sunday Visitor making sure this is available in English now. The book is called Martyred and Blessed Together, or Martyred and Blessed Together, depending on, uh, you know, which syllable you prefer to accentuate. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Scott, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. All right. Thank you. Got traffic and weather next. It's 20 past. For over 50 years, the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul has been providing food, clothing, rent, and utility assistance to people in six counties of Southern Ohio. You can join the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul in helping our neighbors with a monetary or vehicle donation, which is simple and easy. 800-322-8284 or donate online at runforthepoor.org. Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. When you're looking for an extensive selection of fine, handcrafted wines from around the world, it's the BFM Wine Shop on Bridgetown Road. 
BFM Wine stocks over a thousand labels of high-quality wine from boutique wineries and small producers. There's also the Wine of the Month, their e-newsletter, and pairing suggestions with fine food. The BFM Wine Shop, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, on the web at BridgetownFinderMeats.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. 22 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on the Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Looks like they cleared up the accident on eastbound 74, but still trying to get the backup to burn off. You're going to be slowing from just past North Bend into the 75 interchange. Southbound 75 remains slow as you head through the Lachlan split. And westbound 275 at the bottom of the loop, still slowing from Turkey Foot over toward the 7175 interchange. Now for weather, mostly cloudy skies today in Cincinnati with a slight rain chance today and a high of 78 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 62. Mostly cloudy with a slight rain chance tomorrow and a high of 79. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly cloudy today with a slight chance of an isolated shower and a high of 74. Isolated evening shower, then mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 60. Sun and a few passing clouds tomorrow with a high of 76 degrees. Coming up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, Marlon De La Torre. It's 23 past. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Marlon De La Torre is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's Senior Director of the Department of Evangelization for the Diocese of Columbus. He writes at knowingisdoing.org. Good morning, Marlon. Go Bucks. Good morning, Annie. Go Bucks. So, Marlon, 
you are in charge of the Department of Evangelization. Mm -hmm. So why would you concern yourself with Catholic schools in your diocese? I mean, at least beyond the religion teachers. Oh, gosh. You know, it, 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 it very intimately intertwines. Every every particular Catholic school, every teacher, regardless of uh, of their discipline, has an opportunity to proclaim Jesus Christ crucified. And so even in my role uh, and the way Bishop Fernandez has asked me and tasked me to uh, really uh, develop this department and, and reconstitute it in a way is, is to assist the teacher and to assist uh, the, uh, the Catholic educator in some way to see his or her role as invaluable to a student's opportunity to grow with our Lord. And so whether it be math, science, uh, history, you name it, AP, biology, um, there's always an opportunity for a child to enter into the presence of our Lord. And really, um, anything a child learns within the school concept, they also learn from the mannerisms of the teacher, excuse me. And so this becomes very important for us as teachers to realize that we just don't regurgitate information, uh, but we're, we're establishing an opportunity for a child to see us as faithful, loving disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we don't, um, that really can have horrible consequences. Yeah. Marlon, I think we've become rather fixated on this idea, particular, particularly um, since the Enlightenment, I think, that that faith kind of belongs in this religion box and mm -hmm. it should not infringe upon any of the other subjects. That's mm -hmm. a problematic perspective, right? Uh, it is a troubling one and a dangerous one. And really, even prior to the Age of Enlightenment, we've, we've seen this progression once Christendom became normative. Yeah. Um, the the unfortunate reality was, well, we don't necessarily have to defend it anymore. We just live it, per se. Mm -hmm. And this became the devastating effect uh, probably since after the 5th century. And we've seen this take on uh, or be morphed into a, a very uh, very dangerous ideology where, you know what, well, you can, you can be that. You can be that religious person, that religious guy there, but not here. Or I can live this this life of mine uh, in a certain way that that is appealing to me, but not be impeded by something that that God asks of me there. And so you, you see this interplay in Catholic schools. So it could be very dangerous, and really um, there is a dissociation with anything divine, and ultimately we become our own deistic selves. And that's how we view it in a very negative sense, even though we're created in the image and likeness of God, and we're called to proclaim our, our deistic um, uh, character because we come from our Lord, but that's completely now separated. Now, we, we don't even associate with him. And the consequences are a, a child or a student or faculty and staff that um, really don't pray. Uh, they don't f focus on Christ himself as the centerpiece of everything that they do. And really, w w why bother? I'm a good person. I don't need that religious affiliation to tell me that I can be good. And so that becomes really the theology or the doctrine that, that seeps into a school situation. Well, I think the fact of the matter is that it, it could just be hard for someone to to wrap his or her mind around how to do this in practice, um, I mean, even if they're not necessarily opposed to the idea, the, you know, like from a practical standpoint, Marlon, how can a Catholic worldview be incorporated into the subjects outside of religion class? 
Okay, that's a great question. You know, there there is a, a simplicity of baptism that we tend to forget that allows us to 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 see good and avoid evil. And I think that's the practicality first and foremost is the fact that do you, do you see your fellow brother as as a child of God? Is there an anthropology behind this? So, the, practically speaking, shaking someone's hand, affirming their identity as as a, as a human being, affirming them as as a child of God, uh, recognizing that you know what you can open a door for someone, uh, or saying, you know what, I want to pray for you this morning. All right, may I? Um, is there something that's that's really bothering you? Those initial entryways or practicalities of really bringing in our Lord into the atmosphere are really key. Having a prayer intention board outside your classroom, welcoming every student with eye focus, and saying thank you for being here. Uh, even having the imagery within the classroom, where it's not necessarily a classroom, or you're entering into another aspect of your journey, and that the teacher is really invoking that through a life of a saint, a sacred space, something that brings in the reality of God into the uh, the journey of faith in the classroom. Th- those simple things are key, and students relate to that. I, I-, I tell teachers all the time, the- one of the things that students don't want to hear a teacher do is lie to them. Mm-hmm. Don't put on a false face. Even though they will lie to us, and they, say- they think that's perfectly fine, don't lie to me. Give me some truth, and that's really where it starts. Yeah. I really like that you talked about, you know, starting class in prayer, for instance. Like that would be a nice way for a math teacher to do that or incorporate some of the more mathematical saints and priests mm-hmm. and, Absolutely. you know, who, who have, because that was the one that I was thinking, like, how do you bring Jesus yeah. into the math, into algebra? You know, like the one place where I really need Jesus actually is Amen. in algebra class. Not going to lie. Good stuff. Go read Marlon's post on this over at knowingisdoing.org. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Marlon, thank you so much, and go Bucks. Appreciate it, Annie. Go Bucks. All right. It's 31 minutes past the hour now, and it's time for news. The U.S. bishops are calling for humanitarian aid for Armenian Christians who are trapped by Azerbaijan in the disputed territory of Nagorno-Karabakh, also known as Artsakh. Azerbaijan has for nine months now blocked the only corridor to the region, and the Christians who live there are facing dire shortages of food, medicine, and basic supplies to sustain life. Armenian Bishop Mikhail Moradian told the Sunrise Morning Show last week that the people are starving and pregnant women are suffering miscarriages. The first first death from starvation happened recently. Bishop David Malloy, who chairs the U.S. Bishops Committee on International Justice and Peace, said in a statement, quote, with the continued impasse of this conflict and the mounting consequences of this blockade, let us all be of one mind and one accord in our prayers for those suffering from this conflict to see this impending humanitarian catastrophe averted and to see this conflict ultimately resolved through peaceful means. Ohio residents have a little over a month left to register to vote in this year's general election. The deadline to submit voter information to county officials is October 10th with early in-person voting starting the following day. The bishops of Ohio have urged the faithful and all people of goodwill to show up at the polls to vote no on issue one, a proposed amendment that would enshrine abortion in the Ohio Constitution. Election day is set for November 7th. Hurricane Lee is now a Category 5. Mark Mayfield reports. The National Hurricane Center says rip currents and hazardous surf will spread across the northern Caribbean on Friday and begin affecting the U.S. mainland by Sunday. 
Lee, which has been swirling in the Atlantic Ocean, is packing maximum winds of roughly 160 miles per hour. Lee is about 700 miles east of the northern Leeward Islands. It is expected to remain powerful well into next week. I'm Mark Mayfield. All right. One month after a blindingly fast wildfire destroyed the historic town of Lahaina on the Hawaiian island of Maui, nearly 400 people are still missing. Teams of rescuers, cadaver dogs, and anthropologists trained to detect fragments of human remains have searched nearly all of Lahaina. The official death toll has stood at 115 for more than two weeks, and 385 people are listed as missing. A new discovery at the Pontifical Biblical Institute is shining light on the church's protection of Jews during the Nazi occupation of Rome. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. The never-before-seen documents were unearthed in the archives of the Biblicum as part of extensive research conducted by a team of historians, marking a significant breakthrough in understanding efforts to protect Jews during World War II. The historic find consists of a list of 100 women's and 55 men's religious congregations which provided refuge, along with the precise numbers of people accommodated within these institutions. The newly rediscovered documents reveal the stories of more than 4,300 individuals, with 3,600 of them identified by name. The discovery shows that 3,200 of the individuals can be conclusively identified as Jews, including details about their hiding places and their lives before the persecutions. This newfound treasure trove of information significantly enriches the understanding of the role played by Catholic institutions in safeguarding Jewish lives during a time of immense peril. Out of respect for privacy concerns, access to the complete documentation is currently restricted. However, it was unveiled at a workshop held at the Shoah Museum in Rome, offering a glimpse into the untold stories hidden within its pages. The documentation itself was meticulously compiled by Italian Jesuit Father Gozzolino Birolo between June 1944 and the spring of 1945, following the liberation of Rome by the Allied forces. During the period of Nazi occupation of Rome from September 1943 until the city's liberation in June 1944, the Jewish community endured horrific persecution. Tragically, nearly 2,000 people, including hundreds of children and adolescents, were deported and killed during this dark time. I'm Devin Watkins. A high school football coach who won a Supreme Court case last year after losing his job for praying during a game is now resigning from his position. The highest court ruled that Bremerton School District in Washington State had violated Joe Kennedy's First Amendment rights. They said his praying at the 50-yard line is considered private speech and cannot be restricted by the school district. Kennedy announced his resignation on his website and said he had several reasons for the decisions, including looking after a sick family member. His case was decided in a 6-3 to vote. He wrote on his website that he will, quote, continue to advocate for constitutional freedom and religious liberty by working from outside the school system. 8.36 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lachman. Well, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals have... uh... Spent some money, and uh, they dropped a big uh, pretty dime on uh, Joe Burrow, making him the highest-paid player in NFL history. Joe Burrow has now agreed to a five-year, $275 million contract extension to stay in Cincinnati. Over $219 million is guaranteed. The former number one overall pick 
back in 2020 draft out of LSU has a uh, career record of 24-17-1 and as a starter and has thrown for over 11,000 yards to go with 82 touchdowns and only 31 interceptions. Bengals set to uh, take on the Cleveland Browns this Sunday on the road for their week one start. Kansas City Chiefs, not so lucky. They uh, went down last night in the opener, losing to the Detroit Lions. Final score, 21-20. to Reds back on the diamond tonight at Great American Ballpark, scoring off with the first of three with the St. Louis Cardinals. That's a look at sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Have you heard how much louder and how consistent the audio levels are when listening to Sacred Heart Radio on our app, stream, podcast, smart speaker, and especially when listening on your car radio through Bluetooth? This important technical upgrade was requested and paid for by you. Thank you. And to let us hear how your listening experience could be better, just click on the send voicemail icon at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible, so to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click Donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. I'm Dominican Father Henry Stephan, a Marian prayer by St. Thomas Aquinas, Mother of Mercy. I entrust to you my body and my soul, my thoughts and my actions, my life and my death. My queen, come to my aid. Deliver me from the snares of the devil. Obtain for me the grace of loving my Lord Jesus Christ, your son, with a true and perfect love. And after him, O Mary, of loving you with all my heart and above all things. Amen. How appropriate to pray a prayer with a Dominican who was taught how to chant by our guest right now. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Catherine Fishlock, professional singer, musician, and teacher. Good to see you. Nice to be here. So September 8th, the Feast of the Nativity of the Theotokos, the Mother of God, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and we're going to be talking about the propers for the feast today. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, just remind us what are propers again? Yes, yeah, so the so within the mass there are basically two sets of important texts. They are the the ordinary and the propers. The ordinary are the parts that don't change. You know, the the Kyrie, the Gloria, the Creed, the Sanctus, mm-hmm. the Agnus Dei. We pray those all the time and the text never changes. The propers, however, are specific. They are proper for that particular day or that particular feast. 
Nice. And, and those are the introit, which is sometimes called the entrance antiphon, mm-hmm. um, the offertory antiphon, and the communion antiphon, and and the uh, also the alleluia, or what we would call the gospel verse. Sure. Okay. So for the feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, where do these um, where do these propers come from? Well, you would find these in a wonderful big fat book of chant called the Liber Usualis, which means the usual book. So it had a the had, usual had, book had everything you need for the whole entire year, and specifically these come from what was what is called the Common of the Blessed Virgin Mary because these. In the in the Roman rite, what is used for today, the Nativity of the Blessed Mother, is not a specific special set like it is for the Assumption or for um, oh, sure. the Immaculate Conception. So this would be common prayers, right. so, so to speak. Right. So you could use these for today. They would also be used for uh, December 12th, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Sure. Just any any normal... Marian feast Marian day. Feast, Got right. it. Okay, mm-hmm. that's good to know. So uh, you're going to be sharing with us two of the propers. Which ones are you uh, picking for us? Right. Well, I have chosen the introit or the entrance antiphon and the communio or the communion antiphon. Okay, great. So start us off with the introit. All right. <clears throat> so the translation of the introit is, Hail, Holy Mother, who in childbirth didst bring forth the king who ruleth heaven and earth, world without end. The Latin, salve sancta parens. Now, I want to take a little side note here. For the sancta parens is holy parent, could be translated holy parent. Hmm. And um, there is an actual mass setting, a mass ordinary, which is set, uh, salve sancta parens, which is based on this same text and is... um, used can be used for marian feasts also Oh, very cool mm-hmm. oh okay would that also be in the usual book yes in the nice. mass settings nice. okay. <laughs> good to know just you know if people are following along absolutely. and want to be able to find these things absolutely. so sounds like that's yeah. a useful book the usual oh for book. sure nice yeah, yeah nice okay so go ahead and right. uh chant this one Here for us Salve Sancta Parens, Enixapuer Perare Gem, Qui Celum Teram beautiful and quite short yes actually right and um this would be in if you were using this actually in mass you would then it would be followed by a verse mm-hmm. and then the the glory be the gloria patri and then you would return and sing the whole antiphon again oh got it just like uh like you would in the liturgy of the hours right okay right okay, cool so right. so really the whole thing is uh you know it's it's bookended by the antiphon itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely all right now the communio yeah so the communio is very short uh, it's a lovely little lovely tune and just a very straightforward text blessed is the womb of the virgin mary which bore the son of the eternal father huh. 
Now, uh, short and sweet. Yeah. And I, I wanted to point out as we were talking earlier, uh, these texts all point to why the Blessed Mother ultimately came into the world. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, they're really not about her birth. You know, they don't speak to her birth or they don't speak to uh, Joachim and Anne. They're all pointed to what she uh, what her purpose was. Yeah. Yeah. And actually that in um, contrast, I guess you could say I hate using that word because it Mm -hmm. makes it sound like they're pitted against each Mm -hmm. other. But I was sharing with you before we went on the air, um, the Byzantine. I don't know if uh, I'm not sure if proper's is the right word to use here, but the uh, the troparian that they have for the feast. Um, can I just read these because I think Absolutely. they're very beautiful, and then yes. we can get back to the the communio here. Um, but I'd like to share them with mm-hmm. listeners because uh, this is one of the great feasts for um, for our Eastern Catholic brethren, and uh, so they do have very special uh, verses, I guess you could say, uh, chants. For this feast specifically. So uh, the troparian is your birth, O Virgin Mother of God, heralded joy to the universe. For from you rose the Son of Justice, Christ our God. He took away the curse, he imparted the blessing, and by abolishing death, he gave us the everlasting life. And then the Kentuckian for today's feast. Through your holy birth, O Immaculate One, Joachim and Anna, were freed from the reproach of childlessness and Adam and Eve from the corruption of death. Paul, don't put music on yet. She's got a chant for us. <laughs> okay. Sorry. We're going to run out That's of time. Right. We got to get oh, no. to this one. Here go we ahead. go. Okay. Beata Vishara Maria. Here we go. Beata Vishara Maria Virginis Que porta verunt eterni patris That was beautiful. That was the communio mm-hmm. antiphon for the feast of the nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We've been talking to Catherine Fishlock. Catherine, thank you so much. Great to be here. All right, it's 13 till. We're back with Father Hezekiah's Carnasso after this. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirmed. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ken Herbert Plumbing, licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. All their plumbers are bonded, insured, drug tested, and background checked for peace of mind. Rated A-plus from the BBB. Ken Herbert Plumbing, 513-383-2974. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. That's Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com.
Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brozartpharmacy.com. Joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. Blessed to be with you and your listeners today. It is a blessing to have you back. And we'll be looking ahead to the readings for Mass on Sunday. And most dioceses in the United States have transferred the solemnity of Corpus Christi to this Sunday, and I don't want to get into all of the argument over whether it really belongs on Thursday or Sunday and, you know, all of that. But my my first question does kind of involve timing, though. Um, why are we celebrating Corpus Christi in this time after Trinity Sunday, which is after Pentecost Sunday? Well, yeah, Annie, that's a, that's a very good question, and it's very important. I think it actually directs our focus and how we approach this Sunday. God's presence among his people in light of Pentecost in light of Trinity Sunday, um, we've been focusing upon this gift of God's life among his people. And that life is not, as I've said before, dead on arrival, which unfortunately for too many it is. I come to church to get the Eucharist, to receive communion, and that's it. But communion, by its very nature, by the very word communion, brings us together with the Lord and is a a statement, a reality, a transformative moment in which my life and the Lord's life becomes one. That I can say with St. Paul is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. And this is the great mystery of, of Corpus Christi. And the reason for its placement now in the days following Pentecost, and that is that, that this gift was not first 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. It's mine today, a transformation of my life, that my life might be the Lord's life. So let's take a look at at the readings that we have for this weekend. Uh, The Gospel is from John chapter 6. It's toward the end of the Bread of Life discourse um, coming after Jesus feeding the 5,000. And he says in this reading, the bread that I give is my flesh for the life of the world, and then goes on to say, that the Jews quarreled among themselves. I know there are other translations that say they murmured among themselves. Why is that? Well, John is using a technique best described in, in theological terms as biblical typology, and that's a fancy way of saying that God doesn't change. And when we encounter him in the biblical narrative, in the scriptures, whether in the Old Testament, New Testament, we encounter the same one who wants to do the same thing for us, namely share his life with us. And so John describes the whole account of John chapter 6, which is so famous, so well-known to Catholics, he describes it in terms of the journey out of Egypt, the time of the Exodus, and the giving of manna. And I got a beautiful quote here, Annie, from Cardinal Jean Danielou, who says that the realities of the Old Testament are figures of those of the New, is one of the principles of biblical theology. This science of of similarities between the two testaments is called typology. And here we do well to remind ourselves of its foundation, for this is to be found in the Old Testament itself, namely that even in the Old Testament, the prophets said that what the Lord has been doing among his people, he's going to do again in the restoration of all things when he sends the Messiah. And so Jesus intentionally said, look, 
just as you received manna, do you understand what you received? Do you understand that God saved your life? Do you understand that he sustained you through the 40 years? So I am now the fulfillment of that, as the prophet said the Lord would do again. So I am here as the one who is going to feed his people and give you life, not like like you received in, in the desert 40 years of wandering when all of you died but rather life which gives you life eternal and takes you not only into the promised land of Israel, but in the promised land of paradise. Yeah, he says this is the bread that came down from heaven, which is a direct reference to the Exodus, correct? And takes us to our first reading from Deuteronomy. No, exactly. It's a reference to the manna. If you want to understand the Eucharist, you better go look at what happened with the manna. You better know that story well, because you cannot know John 6 unless you know the story of the manna in the time of the Exodus, in which the people of God murmured against the Lord, which is why that whole idea of quarreling and murmuring is important. They murmured against the Lord. They said, hey, let's get back to Egypt. Don't forget, they weren't you know, on vacation in Egypt. They hadn't come for a short visit. That was their home now. Their home was in slavery. And, and just like we, as we return to our sins, to that place of, in that we consider our comfortable place, right? We come to going back to the pig pen, going back to slavery. As I think it was Scott Hahn said, it's easier to get Israel out of Egypt than Egypt out of Israel. And our hearts constantly returning to those ways. And we too also constantly returning to our former life, our former life that we, we repented of during Lent, rather than following the new life of the resurrection and Pentecost, which is given to us, the, the life of the Lord, we're constantly returning back. And so this whole thing is given to us in terms of what happened during the Exodus and placing ourselves and our spiritual life in that context, and to say, go out now, receive this gift that God has given you, that you might be transformed into a, a new people. And as you said, the Old Testament text of Deuteronomy has given us to that very reason. The people of God are standing on the edge of the promised land. They're about to enter in. And Moses says, remember the 40 years of wandering in the desert. <laughs> remember that time during Lent, not too long ago, Catholics. You put your life behind, that old life behind you. As, as, as St. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, he says, what are you doing continuing in sin? That, that grace may abound, that God may pour his life? He says, no, stop that old way of life. You've been given a newness of life, and that life is for paradise. Yeah, Father, I'm hoping you can speak to those whose faith is tested by all of this. I mean, you see the people of God who start murmuring, they kind of get sick of the manna, they forget its supernatural power. I mean, you talked about this at the beginning of our conversation. How often do we as Catholics just turn the Eucharist into some other old thing? Yeah, it's my, it's, I'm sorry to be, be, be light about it, but it, most, a lot of people, it's just the, it's the Jesus cookie. I yeah. go get my goods and I move on, and I go back to my old life. And that's the point the Church is saying. There's no old life left. You left Egypt. You have a newness of life that's given you as a transformative life, and it's the life of the apostles. Yeah. We're journeying with the apostles now for the transformation of the world. Don't look at the Eucharist and what, oh, this is some new thing that Jesus invented or the priests and the bishops invented. And the, No, this is God's plan from the very beginning. And it would take the things of this world, transform them by his, his love, by communion with the, with the created order, divinize the created order, that through the created order we might receive the gift of God's life and we ourselves be transformed, as it says from 1 Corinthians, because the loaf of bread is one, 
We, though many, are one body. We have been transformed into Christ himself that we might go out into the world to sanctify it and bring it back to communion with God. We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. And, Father, if listeners want to check out the resources you've got over at the Institute of Catholic Culture, where do they get them? Instituteofcatholicculture.org. Instituteofcatholicculture.org. And you can find that linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. That'll do it for this Friday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. For more than two decades, Sacred Heart Radio has filled the local airwaves with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Catholic perspective on issues and events. And because of your participation, we've had the resources to share the ministry of our local clergy and produce the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. But even though you'll soon see the Sunrise Morning Show on video, our work to bring others to Christ has only begun. So please tell everyone you know where locally they'll hear the good news on Sacred Heart Radio and on the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Are you looking for a way to grow in holiness as a married couple? Do you desire to grow closer to God and to each other as you navigate the challenges of life? Join us for a marriage retreat. October 20th through the 22nd at Catholic Family Land. Deepen your relationship with your spouse through prayer, receiving the sacraments, intentional communication, and time spent together. Register at afc.org. This is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent serving Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, I can help with any of your insurance needs. I can be reached at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. On Saturday, September 9th, Americans throughout the United States will honor the memory of more than 60 million unborn victims of abortion during the National Day of Remembrance for Aborted Children. Please join in prayer at Gate of Heaven Cemetery in the Baby Garden, Saturday, September 9th at 9 a.m., 11,000 Montgomery Road, Cincinnati. More information at Gate of Heaven Cemetery, 513-489-0300. Please bring a folding chair and umbrella for your comfort. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus. Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. This is Bishop Roger Foys of Covington. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at SacredHeartRadio.com. Sacred Heart.